Pete is still out taking care of his baby daughter. And Gretch is also with his daughter tonight. So I am leading ship chasing this week without either of my co-hosts. But I do have Eric Beimfor and Kyle Dvorak. We're going to be talking some best ball, some roster construction. It's ship chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. <laughs> Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? Canarius <laughs> Tony? You can't handle the heat. He looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. What's up, guys? How you doing? Go ahead, Kyle. You're, you're, I'm, you're, I'm I was doing here last all right. Week. They don't want to hear from me anymore. That's true. That's true. I haven't <laughs> been here. I haven't been here since. Uh, I don't know why we had a bunch of us on. It wasn't Thanksgiving. It was like a pretty random night where it was like uh, Eric. You were there. That's why I remember. I remembered it mm-hmm. right away. Gretch was there, uh, and we were up late. <laughs> it was not a Thanksgiving, but it was like arguably a tribute to the day before Thanksgiving. When when was that? I have no idea. The draft? The draft? No, because I worked almost. Well, no, I don't think so. I worked like every day in the draft. So, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember what it was either. I mean, like, uh, there's the a sh- chance it wasn't to celebrate anything. Like, it was just <laughs> to like be degenerate and hang out. Yeah. It. It is funny though, Pat, for the the theme of the show that you hit in the intro that you we're, we're celebrating something today and it's so convenient that you picked this topic for what we're going to talk about today after a zero running back team got first out of half a million people in underdog best ball mania three to ship a solo winner take all million dollar first prize with one of the sickest best ball teams i've ever seen in my entire life so uh we're celebrating something it's just not the normal you know it's not pre-thanksgiving it's not uh it's not uh, any actual holiday although maybe this will be a holiday uh for zero rb bros moving forward yeah, although, you know, is it convenient or did I just go, you know what I'd like to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that Zero Running Back took down a million dollars and it's not even the playoffs yet. <laughs> That's something that interests me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this team, we should uh, shout out King Capital, uh, who won the million dollars, uh, the, the million dollar regular season prize for Best Ball Mania. The cool thing about this team is like, it's pretty live to win the playoff. Two million too. I mean, this is not a team that was optimized for the regular season in the ways that we were talking about. I'm curious because, like, right before we went live, we were talking about the idea of you know if we were doing drafters and stuff. And I didn't do a ton of drafters, but uh, you know, I dabbled, and I was I was kind of curious. Listen, I know Davis did a lot on on drafters. I know Liam was drafting over there. Um, Eric, I know you you were drafting over there. So the the strategy there was like a lot more like we need points in our lineup. We can't just, you know, kind of play for week 17 and everything, but to see a, a lineup that looks very built for week 17, I'll pull up here in a second, but looks very built for week 17. uh, Take down the regular season money is, is pretty cool. Yeah. I think the thing is um, there are going to be a lot of good players in the first seven, six, what, 15 weeks or whatever. And uh, those players are going to look really good for the stretch run. So like having the nuts 
early, early, you know, for the first three quarters of the season is going to make you look like a very strong playoff team as well. So like, although one thing, uh, like the goals of optimizing for week 17 are not 100% aligned with the goals of optimizing for weeks one through 15, like stacking within a team is going to check both those boxes, things like that. Like, Getting the breakout running back is going to help for next week, and it's also going to help for the first 15 weeks. But I do agree, like this team, uh, you know, it's funny. We talked about this. Uh, I think, Pat, maybe you and I talked about this. Uh, I don't remember any of the week 17 opponents anymore. Week one, as soon as week one hit, I dumped all that <laughs> yeah. garbage out of my brain. Like I cleaned that rod out immediately. I know Broncos Chiefs still because I stacked That's a true. lot of it. Uh, but don't yeah, worry, you don't need to know it. You, How you in fact, <laughs> I don't you need, forget. That's the only it. one I don't need to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, here, I'll, I'll I'll share this here. So this is the team here. Um, and he gave he gave Sean a shout out and Pete a shout out. Uh, wrote of his overtime shout out, which is pretty cool. Let's see. So yeah, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Davis Mills, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Walker, Rashad White, Damian Pierce, Khalil Herbert, Chris Evans. Interesting. So this did not have Josh Jacobs. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought it had. Wow. That's kind of uh, wow. Me too. I had honestly just assumed. I think I probably just like scrolled past it, assuming Josh Jacobs was on there. That's that's insane. I mean, those running backs are awesome, but still, that's that's pretty insane. I thought not to cut you off, Pat, but I thought that the running back thing was interesting because those are awesome running backs. But again, without Jacobs, Chris Evans is on there. Like Damian Pierce has been good, but not He's not like league winning or whatever. He helped Rashad in the beginning w- of the season. It, but it's like a bunch of decent scores, right? Josh Jacobs just crushed, like, you yeah. know, after the first month. And Miles Sanders has had a bunch of like huge games. Ken Walker, the same. But like outside of that, it's like guys that helped, of course. Khalil Herbert popped a couple times. But like t- to get first out of half a million people, I think people would assume. You really just need to hit the absolute right. You would need Jacobs. You might need Ramondre. You would need everything to be perfect. And he didn't even have everything perfect. This doesn't have Pollard either. So like, yeah, Jacobs, Ramondre and Pollard would be probably, I mean, maybe Kenneth Walker, though he's fallen off a lot recently with the injury and stuff. Uh, and even before that. So, I mean, Jacobs for sure. Number one with the bullet, probably Pollard too. And then maybe we could quibble about Walker versus Ramondre or whatever, but arguably, he doesn't have the three top zero running back hits who are going within a range where he was hammering running back. It's kind of interesting. Let me get to the receivers because, I mean, they're beautiful. <laughs> Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddle, Amon Ross St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, Nico Collins, Zay Jones. Uh, someone mentioning that Josh Norris deserves a credit for – or a shout-out for, for Chris Evans. Oh, I have, got a, it. I have a fair amount of Chris Evans on my teams because of Josh. But – Let's also give him a shout out for Zay Jones. He was big Zay Jones guy. Uh, Evan Ingram, which I don't know, maybe that's what won it for him. And then Travis Kelsey at tight end. So pretty nice team. Uh, Only seven wide receivers, but uh, only six running backs. So, yeah, because he he spent the extra position at Davis Mills. He could have been better. Should we roast him for for wasting? Come on, man. What are you doing? Davis Mills? Yeah. yeah, what are you, an idiot? Yeah, what are you, an idiot? He's got a million. He he tweeted out the, the screenshot with a million dollars in his account. And we're, what are we going to roast his? What are you doing with Davis Let's Mills roast. on this shitty, this stupid, shitty team? You clearly don't understand Russia construction, bro. <laughs> hey, look, sometimes the donkeys get there, all right? <laughs> no, this team obviously uh, is an absolute. Yeah. I mean, but but seriously, like, 
this, I mean, Ramondre as well, you know, right now, Ramondre, we're not sure if he's even going to play this week. So, like, if you got there without Ramondre, if you got there without Pollard, who, you know, is back in this, like, split timeshare, it's probably better to have this team rather than the team that we that we assumed it was. A hundred percent. He has, a, yeah. he has like, leverage on the field. He doesn't have the <laughs> – they tweeted out the three. So, they tweeted out underdog. All of the advance rates. So you can see the advance rate for any single individual player. I haven't pulled um, Yeah, which is pretty cool. But then the, even before that, they tweeted out the just the three highest advance rate players. He does not have any of them. So like wow. he kind of has almost leverage on the field and the best team. That's brutal. It's like, that's too it's, good. That's sickening. It's sickening to see. I will say, does he have a week seven? I, like, I, I, like I said, I cleaned out that rot. Is there not much? Isn't... Philly is New Orleans. Right. Burrow and Cincinnati are uh, bu- Buffalo. Yep. And I, he doesn't have maybe can make run backs for those, I don't think. Go. So, no. again, uh, you know, congrats on the million, but you simply stand no chance in week 17. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine if Chris Evans was Eno. That was the play. He needed Chris <laughs> Evans to be Eno for the run yeah. back. You know, plan yeah. out the Eno on his third team run back uh, for, your, for your Eagle stacks. There's correlations little tiny ones right he's, got, te- he's got team stacks too and and uh, amon Ra plays if you really want to if we really like the week 17 thing is is you know is obviously a, a fun bit or whatever but there's little itty bitty ones within here i mean if i have garrett wilson and uh 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 they play seattle in week that sounds 17, right that, that's jogging a little thing in my brain i i think so um and then there's a little right there's a little small ones from within here but um i mean you just nail everything and 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 i I like kyle's point actually but i i did like kyle's point about people will say stacking to win a prize like this like on drafters like you don't need to stack and i would say i think you should probably go out of your way more to team stack because when jalen hurts blows up or the eagles offense blows up you're getting so many correlated spike weeks that it's that's how you win this right AJ Brown goes nuts because and Jalen Hurts is going nuts and Miles Sanders is going nuts and the whole Eagles offense is crushing. Yeah. And that and was so, a perfect offense to do a team stack. Dallas has been like this a little bit, but it's the the running backs touches are split up. But you know, Hurts, Sanders, AJ Brown, like I mean, the Eagles have been kind of like uh, you know, they've they've had these clear identities and they, you know, and Sometimes Brown and Sanders are getting there together, but a lot of times it's like a huge Brown week or a huge Sanders week. Hertz is kind of doing it no matter what. So that was like literally the perfect team. This Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Nico Collins little mini is kind of fun. Oh my God. That's a week I, 17 stack. I know, I know. Did you remember that on top of your head? Or did you have to look it up? No, I did it off the top of my head. It came back to me when I saw it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I have that on a lot of teams. Like I have that's that, I have that on a lot of teams. I'll I'll when it when it when it Jesus when it suits my uh, argument, I'll say that I did it for week seventeen. And then when it doesn't suit my argument, I'll just say I really liked yeah, Nico happened. and Zay. Yeah, exactly. It just happened. Well, I'm realizing he also has Davis Mills. So so if <clears throat> my God, oh, my God, the L that we're gonna have to eat if he takes down both oh, no. prizes uh, and he does Davis it because Collins. of the Davis Mills Nico Collins stack. Is Time this isn't this isn't live, is it? Can we just edit that out? <laughs> Let's producer, restart, producer, restart that out. Timeshare quarterback Davis Mills is gonna save Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow in week 17 with the, the stack. Yeah. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um anyway, congratulations. Uh 
hell of a team. But wanted to kind of get a sense. I know, Eric, you I haven't poked around on like what the structure of my teams that have advanced is yet, but uh, I know you've been looking at that. Have you found anything interesting in terms of like the structures that are advancing? A hundred percent. And not to like keep beating the dead horse, but it's obviously there's a little sampling bias and all that kind of stuff. But for me, by far my most successful teams, both raw points and advance rate has been, you know, some form of zero running back. However, you kind of want to define that. Um, Even if you start like, with our definitions on spike week, we didn't, if you had like ETN or Brees hall, we didn't call that a zero running back team, but I think you could basically classify, you know, a fourth or a fifth round running back close. It's much more zero running back than it is um, kind of any other structure and anything resembling zero running back has been just dominant. I think this year I, I didn't nail, like I don't have much Ken Walker. I don't have some of the, like the guys that he drafted or I yeah. obviously Josh Jacobs. I wasn't drafting mm-hmm. a lot of him. It's I have two percent Jacobs, so yeah, I'm with you. The, but the structure I drafted four Josh Jacobs teams across all of Underdog, and they all advanced. All, all every single one of them advanced. They're not good, but <laughs> um, you know. But the, when you draft, just kind of again within these structures, like he did, and there's just a bunch of bullets on a weak position that you're not getting buried. Right. How many running backs at the top even like ever buried you in any given week? Occasionally CMC, even like Derrick Henry never really did it. Jonathan Taylor definitely didn't do it. You know, just the very random week, the Joe Mixon big game, one Alvin Kamara game. But like that's not over the course of a season. So you don't lose that many points over the course of a season. But you pummeled people at all three of the other positions. And obviously that's what zero running back gets you. You want want Kelsey or whatever uh, elite tight end. Kelsey's really the only one that worked, but still you want Jalen Hurts, you want Patrick Mahomes, you want Josh Allen, you want AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill. There was one structure and one structure only to get all those guys plus get running backs that filled it. Um, and so at that, that's been my biggest takeaway by far. It really doesn't yeah. feel like there has been a single running back other than Josh Jacobs who like six weeks this year is like had to have him, had to have him winning lineup on the Millie maker. This line, it's like him and, and probably Austin Eckler will be up in there because he has like a bunch of nine catch games or whatever. But on the other hand, the guys who have been doing that, like, like you look at the top, uh, you know, PFF has posted this like 10 times, the top uh, receiver yardage games. It's like Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Tyree kill, Tyree kill, Justin Jefferson, literally all top five of the best games just by total yards, but fantasy points, give or take are kind of the same thing are literally accounted for by two players. And there were two players you could get on the same team. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think we got a little lucky with the structure, to be honest. Like, you know, to some degree, where you might have, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, <clears throat> Sanders, Jacobs, uh, you know, those guys going later than usual and them being like the right guys because Elijah yeah, that... Mitchell wasn't going like what if, it could have flipped, right? Like, mm-hmm. it could have been that Jacobs and Sanders were, we were just more bullish on for whatever reason. And like Elijah Mitchell and, God, there, I know there's a couple other dusty guys, Dobbins. Yeah, you know, there, there's a, several guys in the middle rounds who could have been in the seventh, eighth round. And if we just flip those, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, very different structures are advancing. But I mean, to your point about Jacobs, like I don't have much Jacobs. I think even in my advancing teams, I may not have Jacobs. I, I have no Jacobs. Five point four percent Jacobs in my advancing teams. Uh, my advancing running backs are Rashad White, Ramondre, 
Tyler Algier, Jarek McKinnon, Tony Pollard, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle is on 19% of them. So that's not great. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, he was along for the ride, clearly. Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter, Jeff Wilson is on 16% of mine. He was a late round target for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was drafting a ton of Sky Moore. I was drafting a ton of Broncos. I was drafting a ton of Trey Lance. I was drafting a ton of Gabe Davis. And I had uh, 30 teams get through of 125. Um, you know, I, I made a bunch of mistakes. In it, and, and I wasn't on, like, the Josh Jacobs uh, and Miles Sanders. I was on a little more. But I don't – where he was on, he's on 11% of my advancing teams, but he wasn't, like, a, a guy I was smashing. So it feels it really does feel like structure saved me this year. It it oh. definitely saved me. A hundred percent. My player takes were pretty garb. I had uh I ended up advancing a ton of my two teams. I think I was like midweight, uh maybe slightly overweight on those uh those lineups. And I was so dumb overweight on Broncos. Easily the most team I stacked, maybe them in Eagles, but Broncos were, I think, a little yeah, Broncos were like cheaper. Quarterback was cheaper and top receiver was cheaper so i got so much broncos they were awful god awful i get i hate talking about the broncos they make me so mad so incredibly mad but it, it didn't matter because i you know i did most of my drafting at least like the largest sample size i had by a wide margin was on DraftKings, and i advanced uh, slightly above average while like my player takes like i had no i might not have a single jacobs team honestly on, on DraftKings. don't have a ton of sanders definitely wasn't above the field on him uh like miami stack like stone cold nuts this year the same with lions like i had some lines i wasn't like a stand i made i can i made like three or four stands by team like two of them maybe hit and i advanced more teams than you'd expect not by a ton but uh and they look like pretty decent playoff teams too and it was only because i played the broadest level of the game correctly because it wasn't my player takes yeah although my uh my top advancing quarterbacks are jalen hurts (laughs) sweet Mm -hmm. kyler murray and russell wilson so that oh, dude, Broncos the, pick is still gonna get me. The and the I mean Russ is hurt too in that that so that sucks, but he was awful yeah, anyway. Yeah. The Kyler, but the Kyler injury was really brutal, man. It yeah. not it, it it only a handful of my teams that have gotten through did it, Barry, but had some teams right on the cusp, like leading into yeah. Monday night yeah. with like Kyler Hollywood stacks or Kyler Nuke stacks. And and some teams had Ramondre. I also had all those guys on my Scott Fishbowl team, which barely got got knocked out. It was just like that Monday game was the most devastating finish to a regular season that that I can remember. So that really sucked. One thing I was gonna say um, wasn't quite what you were saying, Pat, but like with the Jacobs thing and why uh, you know we say like st- structure matters, but you know obviously at the end of the day, the the player takes it, it's a delicate balancing act, right? So people will try to go back and retrofit the Jacobs thing as like, Oh, we should have been on him, especially you're zero running back bros. And you let Josh Jacobs go in the seventh round. Like, what are you doing? You know, you're an idiot. And it's like, well, do you feel that way about CEH? Because the the situation is really not very different for like, if we go back and look in the summer, I I like Josh, Josh Jacobs, new regime, new regime drafted a running back. Now it's Pacheco versus Zamir white, whatever. Not that, big of a deal the chiefs have mckinnon ceh has first round draft capital jacobs is better the the, basically the only argument for jacobs that doesn't really fit ceh is i think everyone agrees that josh jacobs is probably quite a bit better. that's why i do think it was a leak for me at least like ceh i was i was confidently like 
yelling on ship chasing that ceh was bad i think i remember this yeah <laughs> yeah i was like he's terrible like he's just bad like i'm betting against him as a talent i don't think like i i want and i took i'm a, i was overweight pacheco i was overweight mckinnon in a big way which might have been one of the keys to my season when i go back and review it i'm sure it was i was obviously overweight rojo which obviously hurt my season but <laughs> like all in all going super underweight ceh and just taking all the other chiefs backs was like one of the things I'm happiest about Same. this now, I wish I hadn't correlated them with Broncos, but um, so that, I, I, you hey, know, Jerry I think, Judy just scored three touchdowns. That's true. It's not over. The dream's not dead. Teams in. Yeah. The um, dream's not dead. Yeah, for sure. But like Jacobs, and there's also video of this uh, when Leone was on of, you know, him trying to talk us into Josh Jacobs. And my, my pushback to that was just like, gross. <laughs> like I didn't have Dude, an impassioned case. It literally case. is. It is the four net take from two years ago. Whatever the four yeah, net break. I'm yeah. like, I don't want to take him. But the thing you see, the thing I, is, I don't I like it. Jacob. Jacobs is better than Fournette to me. He's better I than Fournette. So, but the the argument we made against Fournette two years ago or whatever how, was we like, but I don't like it. The thing is, you're saying things that are true and correct and make sense. But like, don't like them, so I'm not going to do it. Even though I, it was probably smart where they were going. Like in the, I'm sure like in May or whatever, the very first month of like really best ball starting to ramp up at least like for me uh jacobs like i know his adp dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped and just kept dropping and maybe like obviously in hindsight there's almost no price you could pay that would have been incorrect but you know jacobs <laughs> uh in you know obviously like there's only one way this turns out in reality and that way is he's a top five pick if we redo this but you know if, if he was a fifth round pick to start the summer right at that point like yeah i don't actually feel bad about not taking any of him in may what i feel bad about is not taking any of him august 30th like too, that yeah. you know i did yeah. five seven drafts that day or whatever he came up every single time kept falling lower and lower and i, I still took almost none of them that's the take though what kyle just said i i think is we can everyone will do this this next year, right? Some people are going to say Josh Jacobs should go in the first round and all this, and we'll say, oh, you know, we were idiots. We bought into the Hall of Fame game thing. We bought into this. We bought into. But it's not about Josh Jacobs. It's it's exactly what it's what about it, us. But, but the, yeah, isn't everything? What what? But what the Josh Jacobs thing was is like you have to make a decision with all the information that you have, and there was a shitload of information that was like, this might not be great for Josh Jacobs. <laughs> you know, they, I know that Zamir was a fourth round pick, but they drafted a guy with a new regime. Kyle, uh, Josh McDaniels has used committees he brought in his freaking special teams, lover boy, Brandon Bolden for no freaking reason. They have Amir Abdullah, right? Then you do get the hall of fame game thing. You get all of this information and it's easy to say now because he is good, but the good thing is why we should have taken him when he fell. Yeah. All that other inf all that other information when he was like living in that heart of the dead zone. Honestly, I don't really know that he was a great pick there. But once he fell and it's like CEH, the Patriots guys, all these other backs in that range, it's like, you know, it, it, AJ Dillon was going like two rounds before him by the end, by right. the end. And like that's pretty bad, I think. That Dillon calls a really good one because like the thing that kind of hit me with the Jacobs thing and I think the nice the thing I like about thinking about it this way is that this also applies to Miles Sanders. Is that like I think I would have been, and this is a this is a leak, by the way. I'm not, I'm not like <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but I think I would have been more excited to draft Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders in the 11th round if they had been like nominally behind. Zamir mm. White, like let's say Zamir White came in and Zamir White had been, or Brian Robinson. I wasn't, I'm not, was not in on Brian Robinson as a prospect. 
So let's say Brian Robinson is like the starter and it's the Antonio Gibson thing. And I this actually happened. took some Gibson, right? Yeah, like yep. once, once this happened to Gibson, I was in on Gibson at a reduced price tag in like the 10th round. But the reduced price tag we were already getting on Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs while they were still in starting roles was like not enough for me. And that's where I feel like <laughs> that's the thing to go. Yeah, you are getting a discount though. Normally these like these these starters who are going to, you know, they're going to be getting you points out of the gate and there's a chance they just retain the job the whole year. Those guys traditionally have cost like a fourth or fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders so to, going to get in a guy. Like the ninth, tenth round for a stretch. It, yeah, it agreed. Was a fourth round. I mean, Cam Akers went in the third, fourth round, and Miles Sanders went in the ninth round or whatever. To Cam your, Akers to your is point. a perfect. Yeah, Pat, yeah, you yeah, like the to sell your, the story of oh, what if the upside of my player is he could be a starter, and you were in no way willing to pay a little bit more. And I did the same <laughs> thing too, a little <laughs> bit more for the guy who is very clearly the starter. Already a starter. I'm, yeah, yeah, that's a leak. That's just a leak. 100%. I, like, I, it's the exact same mindset I had. Because even as Kenneth Gainwell's ADP creeped closer and closer <laughs> to Miles Sanders, they approached each other. And I was still like, but Kenneth Gainwell could. Well, like, it's it's the box meme. It's like, it could be anything, even a starting running back. As Miles <laughs> Sanders' price is, like, dangerously close yes. to Kenneth Gainwell. It probably didn't my- help that one of my biggest hits from 2021 was James Conner. Who was exactly? He was the second guy behind yeah, yeah. Chase Edmonds, and I get to go. I get to bet against Chase Edmonds. Take this guy. Everyone's out on him. He costs about eleventh or twelfth round pick. That's like my. That feels comfiest to me to take that kind of guy. It's like a low value pick. Wide receivers pretty much dried up at that point, unless Garrett Wilson's going there for some dumb reason. But basically, <laughs> there's no one there. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at second quarterbacks, tight ends. That's like a really comfy spot for me to take a running back. Um, but yeah, thinking through the player pool for each given year is obviously really important. Connor was like Ramondre, right? Ambiguous situation. Ramondre early in the in the offseason. Right. Like, I mean, Connor went later than Ramondre skyrocketed, obviously, but like arch- archetypically, is that a word? Yeah. As an archetype, he he was right. James Connor is in we we view him kind of as Chase is the one, but obviously Connor's gonna play. And that's what we've thought about Damian and Ramondre. Ramondre's not going to not play. He's going to play, but we kind of think Damian's the lead. I mean, Damian scored 7 million touchdowns last year and right. was good as a runner. So we were like, ah, you know, Ramondre's the new shiny toy. He's going to play. But as you said, like, oh, but what if Damian yeah. is out, you know? And we saw, we just like James Conner, when Edmonds went away, Conner became, became, you know, a shitty, shitty Kmart version of cmc right playing every snap catching passes in a good offense and uh that's what Ramondre became he played every snap caught passes got goal line work you know it's it's the dream but josh jacobs to me is like a all these guys are we love to attach the names because we want to be able to say like what did i miss about that player you know what i mean but they're really all just like these crazy macro lessons you know, it, it really is. Josh Jacobs is just like a big macro lesson. Like when you get a good football player in an uncertain situation and the market says no, or Miles Sanders, I don't even know if, I don't know how good Miles Sanders is, average maybe, but you get this clear starter who has run for a thousand yards several times on an offense with Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard and one of the best offensive lines. It's like, why is he going in the ninth round again? Yeah, You know, Sanders was easier for me because I could just go, He's cheaper Dobbins. I'm betting on the Eagles anyway. Yeah. I'll take some Sanders. It didn't feel as gross. I felt like I could defend it more. But Jacobs, with all of this, all the FUD that people were putting in the chat earlier, 
Um, it, it just didn't feel it just didn't feel comfortable. But I wasn't a huge Zamir White guy. Like I, you know, he's obviously he had a really fast forty, but he was not very productive in college. Like, yeah. I'm not. I wasn't in on Zamir White in Dynasty really. So, like, who was I afraid of? Amir yeah. Abdullah. I, and no, I have. I mean, as we Zemir learned, White. there's nobody there. I have all this damn Zamir White, and I learned my lesson of like mm-hmm. I, I did the I did what Kyle said. I said Zamir White is this unknown box, and I don't really like Josh Jacobs, so I'm going to take this unknown dude who and and Zamir White was too was probably way too expensive for what he what his actual range of outcomes was. Like he wasn't even going to be the pass catching back if Josh Jacobs went down. He's just going to be an early down right. He's he's. His contingent upside is Rojo on a shittier offense. You know, like what our thesis of Rojo was. Right. Like the run, the run first between the tackles, you know, 15 carry a game guy with no pass catching role, but on the Raiders and the Raiders. Right. We thought they were going to be good on offense, but they stink. And it's like, what was I doing? You know, I, I'm, I'm still like kind of not totally mad about having Zamir now, but it's strictly like a leverage play thing. It's like. If all my opponents end up having Josh Jacobs and something happens, they shut him down or whatever, and I have Zamir, it has nothing to do with like actually being excited mm-hmm. for Zamir White. Yeah. Kyle, who got you there for running back-wise? Because you, you weren't really on the same guys we weren't on. Um, I don't know. Let me check some of my teams. I know I had a lot of um... – not a lot, but a decent amount, especially as like I missed out on the Pacheco train on the way up at the end of the summer. I took so much Jarek at that point. I hadn't taken a lot of Jarek yeah. and his rise came at the expense of Jarek, not massively, but like the fact that Jarek's ADP was at all affected by something that their roles were like almost never going to overlap. At the end of the summer, I started really loading up on Jarek, which I had, I thought I had and was right that I had missed out on that. I should have been drafting more throughout the summer. Um, let me see. I, th- I know I had some James Conner teams advanced. But I don't know if his advance rate was actually that good. Maybe it was. One guy I'm surprised to see so much of. I did draft a ton of them, so maybe it's not surprised. But I I have Tyler Algier on 30% of my advancing teams. I have Rashad White on 49% of my advancing teams, which <laughs> I think I had about 49% in my starting teams. So. <laughs> yeah, that's not so. That's not surprising at all. Yeah. That's Gabe. Gabe Davis is my highest owned advancing player. He's done like something twice and <laughs> he's done nothing all, all season, but same thing. He's my highest owned player. So naturally he's my highest, highest owned. And he, he's in so many legs. Again, he got carried by structure. Right. He wasn't really that helpful to me. The, the positive thing for him was uh, a little bit like Rashad, not quite the same thing, but like he was just in a range where it's like, <laughs> the 13th, 14th round or whatever Rashad was in for most of the season when you were drafting him is like, whatever, nothing. Like, there's really nothing that came from there anyway. So you're not losing anything by having that guy. Same thing with Gabe. Like, fifth round Gabe, what did I lose? Allen Robinson? Like, you know, I didn't I didn't lose anything. Hertz went later than that. It didn't really matter. Yeah, I guess I guess Amon Ra, right, would probably be the, yep. the big opportunity. He's, the, he's about there. the only one. He's about the only one that hit from that whole range. The tight end stunk. Lamar hasn't been good. It, it's it's kind of bizarre that this whole it was a dead zone of a draft, not just the dead zone of of running backs. The running backs were better. Brees and Etienne, you know, assuming if Brees ever if would have stayed healthy, like Brees and Etienne were better than all the wide receivers there. Yeah, yeah. Which that generally is the type of running back that we're targeting in that range. Um, Kyle, do you have who you're who you ended up on? Uh, well, no the uh, the DK. <laughs> Best ball history just oh, like yeah. isn't showing up right. Is that like a thing that's happening to other people? 
Do you think I've tried to use a DK tool? I just I'm just gonna check it in three weeks and see what happens. I built a best ball company, so I never had to open that stupid fucking app again to look at my teams ever again. It's so terrible. It's so <laughs> terrible. When you Pat, when you asked me, I was like, I'm gonna try and riff some names that I know oh, I had, God. but like I have them on this <laughs> done absolute trash app for best. Well, nah, it's not great for DFS either, honestly. But uh, it's better for DFS. Oh yeah, I mean, it can't be worse for anything other than it. Literally can't be worse for anything other than best ball. Like I would rather use this to look up cooking recipes. I actually didn't. Maybe that's what they'll do next. They went into NFTs. They clearly don't give a shit about DFS anymore. So maybe the, they'll get into the uh, cooking game. I, I didn't do as well on DraftKings as as in uh, Best Ball Mania, which is interesting. I need to dig in and figure out exactly why. I think part of it is I ended up with like quarterback was so weird on DraftKings. Like I I kind of did some more like double elite quarterback stuff, and Russ was included in elite <laughs> i was gonna yeah. say it doesn't sound like you did double. i didn't really do it i thought yeah. i was doing it he so was my last I, elite quarterback in the tier yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm sure that tanked a bunch of teams but then the other thing with DraftKings is if you, you like just wait you just straight up will not have quarterbacks on your team so it's like a it's actually a harder game in a sense because like people people are taking like three four quarterbacks so i don't know and early to, and, 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 and reaching early. on them. Yeah. 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 Like Stafford and Brady would go in like the seventh round sometimes. You know what I mean? Right. And I didn't want them. So I wasn't like mad about that. But like mm-hmm. if I want the guys after them, I can't wait till eight till ADP. It DraftKings is I kind of like the chaos of DraftKings. Like obviously there are bad drafts. So like people are building this structure conversation we're having here. You can win by being smart about structure and all that stuff. But your point about the quarterback thing is so true. I think we're going to deal with this next year on like all sites. Yeah. I think these quarterbacks are really going to get juiced up by ADP and a lot because the running backs are going to get pushed down. The wide receivers are going to get pushed up. The tight ends are going to get pushed down because nobody wants to draft any of these losers besides Travis Kelsey. And so you can sit here and say, I'm not taking a second round quarterback, but like if everybody else is is doing it, you're not going to win this thing with Daniel Jones as your QB one. Sorry to tell you, you're just not going to do it. So you got to play the game, but how do you, you know, go about it? And that was the DraftKings thing. It's like I'm not taking Josh Allen in the second. Well, do you want zero Josh Allen in 150 teams or however many teams? Is that a stand you're willing to take? And I did, you know, I didn't take much, but I wasn't willing to say I don't want. I don't feel like zero Josh Allen is the right way to do it either. Yeah, yeah, looking at Hayden's, uh, I mean, obviously this is for uh, Best Ball Mania, but looking at his just chart of just win rates by position throughout the draft, the highest two peaks are earliest possible quarterback because Allen had a great advance rate. Mahomes right after him had a great advance rate. And then three, I'm just trying to eyeball the little dots, then three quarterbacks later by ADP, maybe it's four. Jalen Hurts had the best quarterback advance rate by a pretty wide margin. So in the first five or six quarterbacks, three of them were just the nuts. And then the like later middle round, Justin Fields, Tua and Trevor Lawrence, like those types, especially like with Justin Fields, maybe there'll be some Tua like situ. Well, actually Tua and Trevor were both in similar ish situations. Those mm-hmm. players are probably like, those are going to replace our like garbage, Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady is like the young quarterbacks who may or may not be good, but are getting situation turnover. Those are going to be our middle, like early middle rounds. And then the early, early rounds, because it's, it's working is going to be Josh Allen, Mahomes and, and hurts. Yeah. A hundred percent chart that you're talking about. Oh yeah. Kyle. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. 
Funny how that works. Uh, let me open a new tab, actually. The Lawrence and Tua thing and Fields. Basically, those guys, right? Those those were the winners from the later rounds, not necessarily late, but late double-digit rounds. Those are the the winning quarterbacks from from those rounds. And like, but that archetype now is gonna be like like what we what we memed Trey Lance into. Anyone that is the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence type breakout archetype is you're not getting them in the twelfth round anymore. Like it's not it's not gonna happen. Maybe, although Tua was, you know, one of the big breakouts from that range. And here, let's go to this range. So Tua, I mean, Trevor Tua Lawrence. got new weapons, new coach, like new offensive yeah. system. That's what Trevor Lawrence got. Justin Fields, yeah. sort of. New he didn't get Fields anything. Was, yeah, but he. Uh, they, they, were, they were ready to give up on him. He gets new coach. He got new coach, right? That was uh, yeah, yeah, new coach. <laughs> didn't bring in any weapons for him. And he had to run for fifty yards yeah. every week he just to well, prove he didn't his get worth. The, he didn't get new weapons. Uh, what, at least what's early. your problem with fucking Valus Jones here? I'm, That's also I'm true. He did get a new weapon. Yeah. yeah. Ima- imagine, imagine this season with Valus Jones being an absolute zero. I mean, this is the perfect like field fields. Oh my god, he's a franchise guy. Oh sweet, my Valus Jones shares must be crushing. No, <laughs> Darnell no, Mooney's not. hurt, and, and and they and and Valus is still just a kick returner what is the he's point of always been a guy? kick returner i know uh, uh but those are that's also a thing that people used to say I'm, i don't even say i'm not saying that this is wrong actually but like that skill right is kind of like a translatable skill to being a you know good you're good with the ball in your hands you have big play Vailus potential says otherwise the, yeah Valus has broken that mold right debo was that mold now he wasn't 40 when he came into the league but well debo do you guys know mold. so i just looked it up so i I do know, but do you actually know how old Vilas Jones is? Is it twenty five? I thought he was twenty six. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's twenty five. No, I think he spent six years in school. Is where the six. Oh, you're right. It was because it was what like four at USC yeah. and then two at Tennessee or whatever something. Like twenty five years old. DJ Moore's only twenty two. When was he? <laughs> uh, when's his? <laughs> DJ Moore's the Jason Tatum of the NFL. Um, Still twenty one. Vilas might be older than me. Yeah, he's older than Juju. This might not be a joke. Uh, pretty soon, anyway. Valus is going to be older than me. I'm pretty sure. That's how that works. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. When was Valus Jones born? Shelly in the chat. This I didn't. Juju know is actually 26. This is this is <laughs> an incredible. This is an incredible comment that he's. He, well, he. I know he's not technically older, so it didn't perfectly hit. He's basically Juju's age, and Juju is on his third contract in the NFL. Bayless is a rookie. He is less than one year younger than Juju. Juju turned 26 in November, and Vilas turns 26 in May. So next next summer, when we are drafting, Juju Smith-Schuster and Vilas Jones will be the same age. <laughs> They will both hey, be 26 years old. Last summer we were drafted when we were drafting me and Valus Jones for the same age. I remember I remember when NBA players started coming into the league younger than me. I was like, ah, well, that that era in my life is gone. Obviously, I had aspirations to make the big time. I'm glad <laughs> that era hasn't passed me in the NFL quite yet. <laughs> yeah, he's still got and with uh, the nil money, and we still got co- kids taking COVID years and all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. It's it's we're gonna get some more Valuses, I think. Can I ask? I know we're supposed to be talking about roster construction, but I've thought about this with with Valus a little bit. If he were a good prospect, so be, the Sean says, how old was Cup when he came out? I'm not even. He's saying 29 Cup. now. Cup's 29. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even saying Cup was like some world beater prospect, although he was 
insanely productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super productive, a, a, yeah. A very different different level, obviously. But if Valus was a like really good, like dominated at Tennessee, like so I don't know if you've been watching this year. Like if he did what Jalen Hyatt did this year at Tennessee, would you have in been in on him? In his college season, though, in his sixth yeah. college season, let's just say six, like, just for the sake of argument. Like, yeah, but he, he he needed to be a better prospect than he was, and then kind of broke out, but broke out late. Would you have been more on him, or because clearly he also wasn't a very good prospect and he was old, so yeah, it's it probably was not. Of, me too. To me, me, me too. Me, me if he had dominated at it, I'm more interested in the guys who dominate for like their entire career at a lower level of of competition. Yeah, cut. because yeah. like, what are they like? Okay, that tells a story of you weren't that good as an 18 year old, or you weren't you didn't you weren't viewed as a potential elite prospect, and then you went to a school. And then what are you like? What were you supposed to do? You did everything you could from that point on. You crushed. Like I guess you could have transferred, but like that, it's a huge risk to take. So back then, then in but, those you know, cases, from, for most of our fantasy football life, it was a huge risk. Now it's a little different. We'll see. Right. But like Cup couldn't just transfer to fucking USC. You know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. he couldn't just do that. That's not happening. I so, will add one caveat that had he done, uh, had he been doing what Hyatt did while literally on the same team as Hyatt or on the same team. They have one of the other receivers too. Cedric Tillman. Yeah. Yeah. Tillman. Um, had he like truly dominated like that with those guys as a competition. And we had strong reason to believe those guys were really good. What I'm describing is kind of the Ohio state receivers, but I'm thinking Devonta Smith where Devonta Smith was like, yeah, truly incredible late in his career. Like, it, you know, late in his career for, you know, what we prospect as college players, but he was like, consistently beating out like first round future talents like and he was three competing, of them. yeah three he was competing of them. <laughs> with them early in his career so there was like very like just dumb logical like yeah you know this guy played with henry ruggs jerry judy jalen waddle maybe it makes sense that he had 400 yards in his second season or whatever <laughs> and when he finally got first olave similar where he hey, that's that's the other one i was yeah. thinking was olave never like broke out broke out but he's literally playing with like one of the best college receiving rooms we'll ever see so you can sort of excuse it. Maybe that's the one scenario in which I would become in on a Bayless Jones type. But even then, there's like a decent chance that he like we're playing the pricing game. Decent chance he ends up being overpriced for me. Uh, for right. Because that's not how a lot of the market thinks about it. They're just like, this guy was awesome. He was a second yep. round pick or whatever. And so I'm just I'm just going to take him. Well, the market was ever... not in on Bayless Jones. Let's no, no, no. Be, but let's think... be clear. <laughs> But if he put up the Jalen Hyatt season from this past yeah, year, he yeah. he wouldn't have been an eighteen. They would treat pick. him as if he broke out his second year. Not you know he right. he would have got treated like Jalen Tolbert, right? <laughs> well, that's yeah, what Jalen so Tolbert. That's, that's what Jalen Tolbert got treated like. Like Jalen Tolbert had a good year at a small school, yep. and there was a ton of opportunity on the Cowboys, so everybody was like, "Oh, eleventh round pick," <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, and you crazy. see here, actually pretty interesting. Yeah, third <laughs> round pick Jalen Tolbert going behind Christian Watson. Oh God! What's that oh. long name to the right of Jalen Tolbert? Oh, oh is that Albert? Kyle. <laughs> Come on! Dude. Do you guys know how to say this, Albert? Hey, he was uh, active. He was active this week. I watched him active. play a couple that's, snaps. That's your victory lap. He got he to watch active. Jerry Judy catch a bunch of touchdowns. That, you, that was, well, you see, the thing is, the um, the thing is, they have this uh, the stud. He's been like producing every single week, uh, Andrew Beck, and he was yeah. hurt. So when he's hurt, Albert gets his chance. To not play a snap on offense, but be active. <laughs> Eric saw Bear. They're they 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 are they've been so far out of the playoffs for forever, and they're playing Andrew Beck and Eric saw Bear over Alberto. How bad is this guy at football? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
man. The, really quick, did you, did you ever see the uh, uh, Alabama? So back when, um, I think it was when Waddle was a freshman, either a freshman or a sophomore. The one where they, they do have, rock, paper, scissors, side who catches one the, of the long, who runs the long route or whatever or something. I forget what they it was. They did an exactly, ESPN but... like, special on them, all four guys. And they they legitimately came out and said, you know, because they scored, they hung sixty on everybody that that team, Tua and those guys, and uh, they would literally. Kyle's not lying. They, so they knew the play calls, right? They would get the play call instead of going and lining up. They would go together and do rock paper scissors because they knew which route was going to score the touchdown, oh like a sixty God. yard touchdown. Yeah, you're and playing they, like you know Vanderbilt or whatever, and yeah. one of the routes is called against a three star corner who just got cooked <laughs> by like Georgia's second receiver. The guy who's running a, a vertical, the guy who runs nine against that guy, it's a touchdown. It is just a touchdown. And so there are literally clips. Oh, you can see their hands like real quick, blah, 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 and then they line up. It was awesome. That's amazing. Um. So let me set up this chart in case people aren't familiar. So shout out to Hayden Winks, who made one of the most interesting charts I've ever looked at. Uh, it's like a lot of fun just to review this. So check out, go to Hayden Winks' Twitter feed if you want to review this yourself. But it's, uh, it's a scatter plot that's got all of the advance rates. And then each line represents the position. So you can pretty quickly see like, oh, receiver helps you advance <laughs> early. And then it like it never, never really tails off. Never. Like no. It only tails off at the very end. So what? Where are we? Around one, one fifty six is sort of its low point. Uh, one forty four here. Uh, so yeah. So around the end of round twelve, it starts to dip. Which makes rounds. sense. Is this just like all the dusty veterans there that you're yeah. just paying? You're paying yeah. a premium for no extra upside than the late round guys. But this had been a good range, like in the past with uh, like hyper fragile builds. There's sometimes. There are sometimes good receivers here this year, not so much. Um, but yeah, that's that's when running back kind of had a little second life to it. There were sort of two they pockets crossed. of running back, yeah. it looks like. They, they totally cross right there in that area. They crossed twice. So running twice, back so. running back starts lower in the early rounds. What, what, we should come up with a name for that where you don't take running backs in the early rounds. <laughs> and then, uh, it, so it crosses around actually earlier than we would have predicted. Yeah, that's the like almost exactly the uh, end of the fourth. End like, of the fourth, yeah, mid fifth. Um, it crosses where I took Gabe uh, Davis all the time. Is what you're saying? Yeah, right where that's you're what, taking Gabe Davis. <laughs> that's where I should have taken. Although I'm not backs. sure who was like maybe this. I don't see the running backs causing this cross. So it doesn't seem like until you get to about. Oh, is it? Oh, because Jacobs is so Jacobs high. Is so he, high. Holy is so high. He's, a, he's a little bit after, but he like the. It's not like a perfect line chart. It's like the curve yeah. is smooth, so he pulls up so much weight from that. He's but then, look at this gravitational pull from Jacobs. Yes. Yeah, this and then the weight keeps getting and pulled by the next six guys. And and Hertz pulls the quarterback up right there. But mm -hmm. just those yeah. two guys, just just those wow. two guys. Yeah. Uh, but then he's being helped out by Pollard, Sanders, Stevenson, Walker. Uh, there's some duds here, Elijah Mitchell, Cam, uh, Cam Akers earlier with Chase Edmonds. Um, but then you see the quarterbacks tanked because all of the bad <laughs> quarterbacks were going like as a group, Russell Wilson, Trey Lance, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. Although I feel like maybe Prescott, although he has a low advance rate, it's someone you'd like to have now. He's uh, a victim of circumstance more than those other guys sucked slash got hurt. Yeah, Prescott he, just his team okay. puts up. 14 points on defense. Literally, their defense is putting up like a touchdown every week and six sacks. Like, 
yeah, of course he's going to get to hang out in the fourth quarter and do nothing. And Zeke he's and not Pollard like score all the touchdowns. Zeke yeah. and Pollard score all the touchdowns. And the funny thing yeah. is, as you look at the curve, you see terrible stretch for uh, right before this bad quarterback stretch, terrible stretch for tight ends. Then it starts with terrible stretch for running backs. There is, no, I mean, up until like that 12th round or whatever it happens to be, right? There is no bad stretch for receiver. There is a slightly below average stretch. Yeah. It starts pretty above average, and then you do get to that little 12th round or whatever it happens to be dip. But all of the the slight negative band for receiver and the times it's not extremely positive are literally like buoyed by the fact that something is doing terrible at all times. Receivers not really doing terrible at any time. Yeah, what's interesting is at the very end, um, at the very, very end, it's running back. Who's got you know? You got your Devontae Foreman's. I don't see Jeff Wilson on here, but he's got to be on here somewhere. He's in there somewhere. He's yeah, one of those. He might that's be this not, guy. Or is not that labeled. Yeah, he's just not labeled. He might. Maybe he's this guy next to Pascal or something. He's one of the winners though, for sure. Yeah, Jamal Williams a little earlier, but so like the 18th round picks, there were some hits. Um, but before that, wide receiver had a little life to it with Zay Jones, Quez Curtis, Watkins, Curtis, Curtis Samuel's a, a discount Samuel. Zay, right? Useful, but not like life changing. Yeah. Um, and then tight end also had a little life to it at the very end, I guess, because I ain't. Yeah, but that's, a, that's a gravity situation. And Taysom. Taysom. And Taysom. Yeah. There's a few guys here that I feel like who else hit from the very late rounds? Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's, I'm not thinking of, but tight ends. I don't know exactly how this snapshot of ADP works. Is it the entire ADP of summer? But like, Greg Dulcich, because there's so much Howard Oha, Greg probably stuck in there. And, you know, he missed he missed a bunch of games to start the season, so maybe his win rate isn't great. But, like, I can tell you a teammate who's got a worse win rate. So I'm guessing <laughs> I'm guessing he's somewhere nestled in there with, like, one of the also, non-named blue dots. Tight end was so bad this year that, like, just getting in the lineup with, like, some decent points from time to time was yeah. amazing, especially if it came with no cost. So I, yeah, I, would I was going to say, you literally putting up six points when you're a 17th round pick is way better and tells you about the rest of your lineup when you're getting just as few points from Kyle Pitts when he's starting yeah. and then not playing. So literally, even if you got zero, if you got zero as a 17th round pick, you're probably not that much worse than Kyle Pitts uh, in terms of because of the cost. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of these names are dudes you're like, um, that guy is the tight end 22, but he was... You know that he was going in the seventeenth round. I, I like uh, a name, not necessarily that was like great all year, but honestly, he was kind of what Kyle was saying. I'm getting six to ten points enough that it helps me, given how bad tight end is. And um, I did a show earlier today, kind of starting to look at week fifteen and the playoff schedule for best ball teams. And a tight, a late round tight end who I'm excited about is Tyler Conklin. Whoa! Um, look at that, Tyler Conklin. Sean oh, G, Sean, Sean. Sean, shout out! Uh, look at you, mind meld. Um, that's a uh, apparently my burner. But Conklin was that guy. Couple good weeks, right? And I'm by good, I mean like twelve or thirteen points. But getting targets, catching some passes. Obviously, been a lot better with Mike White running routes. Like you know, it. You have Albert O, who you took in the twelfth round, who's not even active on game days, or you have Tyler Conklin, who's at least helping you at tight end and all you need with that guy kind of like what Kyle was saying is like if Travis Kelsey has a down game right if, if tight end doesn't blow up in a week and you get 12 Tyler Conklin points the difference that makes it's like this cascading effect because now I have all these superstar wide receivers etc cetera, etc cetera, and I'm spending the least possible 
on the 12 points, right? Somebody else spent it on Travis Kelsey. Somebody else spent it on Mark Andrews. I spent a 17th round pick on my 12 points and I'm going to beat you everywhere else. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Josh commented on the, on Cappy's team, the team that, that took down the million. Uh, big takeaway for him is that if you're going zero running back, stop taking wide receivers, just seven total, just five before round 13 didn't overextend use best ball to your advantage versus zero RB managed. I feel like I, there's parts of that that I agree with. Um, the, I mean, what's interesting about his team is a reminder, Davis mills, Chris Evans. Uh, so there's like a couple picks that like, you know, didn't contribute. Um, but like Zay Jones and Nico Collins did contribute. Those were late round guys. Uh, Zay added 85 and a half points. Nico Collins, 38.9. Um, so I feel like you could like, I don't think this team's any worse structurally if, you know, that third quarterback is another receiver, but I get what you're yep. saying. I think the bigger thing for me, and this like fit with research that I was doing in the summer. So of course I, <laughs> it jumps out to me and I like it as I was looking at like, you know, having, uh, I believe it was like five wide receivers for the, through the first 11 rounds or something like that. Um, it, that was like really key depending like regardless of your structure like if you're going on like making sure you had enough wide receivers when you're actually like spending money on those picks like if you're going in an auction room and you're buying each one of your picks with your auction dollars which is essentially like what we all have to do right we get assigned mm-hmm. our auction dollars get split up into picks and it's like you have to spend twenty dollars on this guy you have to spend fifteen dollars on this guy you have to spend one dollar on this guy in the 18th round one dollar on the guy in the 17th round too the 17th round is also worth a dollar. They just get, you just get to pick them first. Right. I mean, so I think like the more important thing is probably how you're spending those premium picks and making sure that you have enough wide receiver firepower. But that's probably where I, I would agree with Josh's point of like, you also don't want to have too much wide receiver. Like if you just spend all of your big money on wide receiver and try to figure it out in the back end at running back, you're, you're not going to be able to get enough, running back points most likely because to like Hayden's graph here, the, the running back, the running backs really fell off in, you know, like round 11, round 12, like the running backs were actually hitting a little earlier. And if you were skipping this range, especially this year to like tack on additional wide receivers and get to six within round nine or something that then you probably really did hurt yourself. Yeah. I think the, the the interesting part is what what Josh outlined like from a macro sense of the biggest takeaway if you're going zero running back is to stop taking wide receivers. Where I think it is nuanced is the part after that. Just seven total, just five before round thirteen. Don't overextend. Whatever. I think the market is going to next year. That could be absolutely true. We could get to that round and there could be the Josh Jacobs and there could be Ramondre and Ken Walker and all that, but that's not guaranteed to be true every single year. It worked this year that those hits all came from that range and the wide receivers were just right. As Kyle has said multiple times, the wide receivers just been a flat line, but that next year doesn't mean that wide receiver is going to be a flat line right there. Right. It could be, it could be a spike in that. We don't know if Garrett Wilson went in those rounds, Right. He got Garrett Wilson later. Who's to say Garrett Wilson goes after he took all those running backs, then still got Garrett Wilson, then still got to win the, the regular season top prize. 
I think that's probably true. You need to have this unique blend of those upside archetypes that probably are going to exist in those ranges and then some wide receiver flyers like Nico and Zay because you just got to hit I mean he had to hit the stone cold nuts at wide receiver right he literally basically did hit the hit basically drafted every single one of the best ADP values at wide receiver but like that's not really what best ball is we're not all out to score the highest amount of points in in the regular well unless you're on drafters and underdog it's a little bit of a different game Right. If you said that and then last year you didn't take Amon Ra, you know, you're like, oh, I screwed up my zero RB build because I stopped taking wide receivers. I already had seven. Can't take Amon Ra in the 17th round. You know what I mean? I know he took late round wide receivers in this structure, but I just think it's nuanced. I don't think you want rules of I took five. I can't take that next one. You should take the best pick. Right. Yeah, but I do think it's it's helpful. Like I I started drafting a little bit more with like some loose rules of like I want to have four. I looked it up in my my own article because I could I couldn't remember. But uh, it was four be four wide receivers before round 10 and uh, four running backs before round 14. So which was based on this research that I put out uh, in the summer. And I think I, there was like a f- getting your fifth wide receiver by, you know, not too far after was was also recommended or something like that. But if I like didn't take my wide receiver in round 10, I took him in 11 and I was like, I well, Garrett Wilson's here. I know I can get Garrett Wilson. Like I wasn't like, I, I got to reach for Wilson to make sure I get him in the depth. Like yeah. it's just like it's just a loose guideline. But um, yeah, I think the the thing about like the, you know, it depending a lot on the specific players available. You, yeah. Uh, I do agree with that. The macro thing is right, though. I, I totally agree. There's at some point, I don't know what that point is, and I don't think you should have super rigid rules around it. And you, the problem with rigid rules is every year is different. Next year is going to be the craziest year we've ever had in best ball sure. specifically. FFPC is always a little bit different. Your home league is different. But like in best ball, now this whole world is changing, right? You, you mentioned earlier, Pat, like, oh, this range used to be pretty good for wide receivers or whatever. When it, It's like, well, there's a reason. All those guys that now go in, Drake London used to go there. Drake London went in the seventh round now. That range of the 10th, 11th round pick, right? Justin Jefferson went in the 15th round or whatever it was uh, a couple of years ago when, when he was a rookie. That shit doesn't happen anymore. So, like, you kind of always have to adapt. And so I think the macro take is... 100% 100% spot on. My favorite structure all year was like a 27720 RB build. So I totally agree with Josh, but I just think it's not just like, oh, you took four or five early, don't you dare, don't 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 you do it. You got to take a running back. You got to take a run- I, I don't think it should well, be that way either. Yeah, and I so my uh, ability to code kind of uh which I can't really do. <laughs> so like I've kind of, mostly I I like can I can copy and paste some scripts that I've like uh, taken other people's work and then like fiddled stuff onto, and I can put that into R and do that. But like, essentially, don't. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I haven't really graduated past Excel uh, or Google Sheets these days. But so I wasn't able to like really do this. But I wanted to like talk about things like just in terms of the auction value idea because I I really think that's like the key. Yeah, thing. I know Eden's talked about this too. Hundred like- percent. Yes, this is like the the broad words, the the language we have to describe our resources, our rounds, and pick numbers. But they are just a set number of resources we have that are just happen to be distributed by rounds, right? And we 
it is difficult because it takes a lot of knowledge and it would take a lot of coding to say the fact that like, really what I want to do is spend 2000 win points or whatever, 2000 expected yeah. fantasy points on receiver and 1000 expected fantasy points on quarterback yes. or something. We literally just like, don't have strong language to talk about it in that way. And the strong like coding skills to understand how those points are actually how to allocated. calculate those like win yeah. points, but like this team. So, and I think even the way we talk about like, what's the structure, like, you know, two, six, six, or this is three, six, six, two. Right. But this is two, you know, <laughs> four and a half. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like Khalil Herbert, maybe you include like him, in, but, but Evans, you don't, you shouldn't include Evans. This is two, yeah. five, five. Uh, what did he, he, so he had seven receivers here, not six. So Garrett Wilson, it depends Garrett what you want to call Garrett Wilson. One. Nico, Nico and Zay are flyers. It depends what you want to call Garrett Wilson. Now, Wilson was a, was a semi-premium pick. I use like a 10th, 11th round Ten, pick. Like, yeah. 10th or 11th. Yeah. Plus he was just such a fucking smack. He was a ninth round value. So we're putting him in. I mean, <laughs> <Does> it, <laughs> he's, I think he's my highest advancing receiver. So let's get, I fucking luck. cannot believe that Garrett Wilson went there and I don't have like 75% of him. Like, what I kind of feel the same way. Doing? I have a lot of him. And it's like, it, yeah, probably not. I'm enough. over, I'm overweight, had... but it, it looks so obvious in hindsight. Mm-hmm. And we knew it. Every single person that I talked to you guys, we were all like, why the fuck is Garrett Wilson going in the 11th round? And I sit and I look at my portfolio and it's like, why do I not have more? Yeah, I mean, so Wilson, I have on forty three percent of my advancing teams, and you had to really like be a little and make a little to a lot underweight Justin Jefferson, the year that he broke out. I feel like that to really <laughs> just go. He's it's just Justin Jefferson again. It's just Justin Jefferson again. Now I should have been more overweight because he was even cheaper than Sky, and I had more Sky. <laughs> so I can't take too big of a victory lap, but I did. I did like. I do feel good about the amount of Wilson I have advancing at least. Um, but anyway, but this I like is, this. I like, k- k- sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I uh, this is a really good way to view it. I think two, yeah. like two, four, like you five, said, two, five, five, one. one. Yeah, it's a two five five one. That's where he spent all his actual money, right? And then it's like, well, I'll spend a dollar to make sure I'm not taking zeros at tight end. You know, the occasional times Kelsey. Like the way he spent his additional dollar picks make a lot of sense. And like that's why you know to joke about like oh, you shouldn't have taken Davis Mills. Is like, you're literally talking about how someone spent a dollar out of 200. And like, so we, get, true. we get caught up in that. We're like, oh, why would you do that, dude? You know, like, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That's a, literally $199 was already spent before Davis Mills was added. I love that. Team. I love that. Yeah. I do think, you know, we are grinding micro edges. And so it's fair to say, probably wasn't that best use of that one dollar on davis mills but the point is like you said it's I still a it. dollar <laughs> like, i love that point but davis mills man what, what was going <laughs> on there <laughs> but it's i i think it's fair to say like i still want to use my one dollar right if i draft so like i draft zero rb with all my in my boomer home leagues and when if i spend that one dollar we I, I literally did it this year in a keeper league <clears throat> they let us have Jamison Williams. I have a co-manager in a, a fairly high stakes home league with literally a bunch of dudes who started this when they used to have to mail each other, mail each other. The, they would like, somebody would get the newspaper out. They would mail each other the fantasy football results and stuff. They'd call each other up on the phone. You had to report your starting lineups on Sunday mornings and shit. We we're, we're in this league now. <clears throat> they obviously are not interested in zero running back. So we just do that. We spend all on the wide receivers, tight ends, whatever. And so if I, 
we we literally did this this year because it's the keeper league. Keeper league. We were like, well, we have a dollar left. Let's get Jamison Williams because maybe he's a he's a keeper. He just sat on IR all year. We never used him. <clears throat> Our running backs were shit most of the year. We could have used that dollar on P Ryan or somebody yeah. or whatever. So it, it can be because the gains are so outsized on those other positions. It when you need them, it can be impactful. But I think at the end of the day, the point is like could not be possibly more correct. It really doesn't matter. It's just that it's okay. Like when we're sitting back to be like, we can, we can move those dollars around a little bit, but un- <laughs> as long as you understand they're a dollar, Christina defending the Davis mills pick, which oh my, God. my, my point is like, we shouldn't be worried one way or the other about the Davis mills pick, but I do like that. Your takeaway was, yeah, but Davis mills and her takeaways correlation. You got to think about the correlation, the week 17, let alone, I think, um, this isn't related to the, the things you guys were saying. My eyes glazed over as I thought about a thing <laughs> I thought about. Strategies that are really good in home leagues, like like taking a, a flight, like obviously no one's paying attention to the fact that Jamison Williams in Yahoo's ADP is, and is going to score zero points for 12 weeks is um, is undervalued because you can keep them. Like this kind of quirk, right? Should be called home wreckers. That's all. That's the whole statement I had. I like it. And you- we're really, we're really, we're really changing fantasy football here with turning a best ball into auction and uh, you're turning, talking specifically uh, about home keeper leagues. Well, yeah. any strategy that has outsized gains in you know your league home where league. you yeah, and any sort of home adjacent league, a little work yeah. league. I just like the sexy idea of calling it a home wrecker. I like it. I'm stealing it. I like Great. it. I you know I'm on board. I wish it had been a little more on topic, but I actually do like. it. <laughs> <laughs> look <laughs> i like that christina brought in the week 17 correlation though yeah. we if we're yeah. we can't we can't end the conversation without we'll bring back. uh without we'll bring uh back. without yeah, without the the jags texans stack in week 17 as if as if the texans are even going to be playing any of these guys in, in, in week 17 they're already down to amari rogers at right wide receiver well, I mean, maybe Nico's back, and then Davis Mills, he already got benched and came back. So it was good timing <laughs> on the bench on the inevitable Davis Mills bench. He's a fucking timeshare quarterback. They're playing <laughs> Jeff Driscoll half the snaps and Davis Mills half the snaps. And Jeff Driscoll at least runs. Davis Mills is now playing half the snaps and throws a bunch of four-yard passes. Imagine this lineup gets into, you know, week 17, right? But calamity strikes, you know, the Bengals for whatever reason, they get to, they're, they're pulling all their starters late in the game. Joe Mixon four touchdowns, Jalen Hurts. They've had the, the bye week locked up forever. He's, he's benched the final two games and you're like, oh my God, it's happening. That's a long touchdown to Jeff Driscoll to Amari Rogers, 62 yard <laughs> touchdown. The guy you needed in week 17. The guy you needed, Amari Rogers. Yeah, that actually you, would be the guy you needed because Jeff Driscoll's a tight end on underdog. Yeah, oh, you get a tight too. end, a seventeenth round wide receiver catching a touchdown from an eighteenth round tight end to win Best Ball Mania three. God, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Amari, please drop it. Um, <sighs> on on the roster construction thing, uh, one thing while we're t- we talked obviously a lot about zero running back and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to um, see what you guys thought about. Do you think, right, so wide receiver changed a lot. I mean, I know, Pat, you remember, of course, Kyle remembers, but Pat, like when we first started doing best ball shows here on chip chasing and the change in wide receiver ADP over that like first yeah, month when yeah. we started doing that um, and it, it continued into this year, 
I think it's only going to get crazier. We already talked about quarterback a little bit about tight end. What do you think is the takeaway for like moving forward? It's easy to say right now, like, Oh, we should have just drafted all zero running back teams, whatever. But like next year, is there going to be an edge to finding, you know, the ETNs and breezes and going like a little more like, I don't know what the, I don't, there's no phrase that we have call. We would call it now. Right. But like, don't get away from those wide receivers because everybody else, you don't want to get buried by said avalanche, but you also don't, you, you don't want to just do the same thing everybody else is doing. Right. That's how robust teams lost this year because, you know, Herzig won with it. It's been a popular structure. Now you just got buried by drafting all these robust teams. How do we like get an edge? Like, is there a way to do it uh, probably with running back specifically next year? Yeah, I don't think in year over year, I think in a 10 decade span, uh, the running back position has fundamentally changed for the most part. There are some players that uh, do look somewhat like the running backs of 2005 or whatever, like, McCaffrey, though it's pass catching, and, and really they didn't throw passes in 2005, I assume. I wasn't watching football then. But uh, Derrick Henry that looks literally like a running back from 1999. But for the most part, running back has... Like, you make me fun- feel old. I would prefer if you didn't start your stories with I, saying you didn't watch football. I was playing college football in 2005, so I don't really... This is not great for me. Uh, Kyle does often make me feel old, but I recommend doing podcasts with him and Rhoda Pat and Denny because I often he, he throws out references that I'll get and then they don't and then I feel young. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, you you never catch the the old bullet strays uh on those shows. I'm older than shows. Pat. I know, I know. But they have they have kids though. So like it is so That's easy true, yeah. to just lob those grenades when you don't have kids. Um but year over year, like over a 10 year span, yes, running back has like fundamentally changed. And you could probably even argue to change like five or six years, especially when you look at the way like salary cap in the real NFL salary cap dollars are allocated draft capital. Like we don't see first round running backs anymore. Not really sure. We'll ever see one again. Maybe Bijan's going. We'll see. I don't see one again. It it happened a couple years ago with we, there were two Harrison. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm thinking more like the Saquon and Zeke. We won't. Yeah, we won't. I don't think we'll see a top five running back ever again. A first rounder. We'll get plenty of guys in the 20s. Yeah, we'll get get first rounders for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm Uh, I'm sorry, Kyle. I don't mean to keep interrupting. Todd McShay mocked Bijan fifth overall. I saw. That's not happening. (laughs) He's wrong. Yeah, I saw. I am, am in fact, older than Rotopat. I know. I think we're like basically the same age, but I'm a few months older. Yeah, something like that. But I don't think uh, that last year where robust RB teams were really strong and this year where they really struggled, like I don't think the broad level dynamics of the NFL all of a sudden flipped a switch and like the early, the, the running backs who we thought were getting big roles just never did again, right? So I do think maybe in that sense, if the early round running backs really get undervalued to the point where like you can stack up some really good, uh, you know, starting with two or three running back teams, uh, there might be value in it. Like, obviously we don't know, like I haven't, I won't see ADP yet, but I, I, I really struggle to think like that the difference between win rates in 2021 and 2022, that difference to me, isn't like a fundamental aspect of the NFL. It's largely randomness in our doing it's, it's our, interpretation of what's going on yes it's the market it's not uh the running back position yeah i i I do think there was something now every year i basically draft zero running back and and then i come up with a reason for why it's the best year to draft zero running back so (laughs) take this with like all the salt but um the reason that i came up for this year was that Mm -hmm. 
the running backs uh, uh, in the early rounds, it was like it was a potential for like them all to kind of age out simultaneously. And that only partially happened, right? Like Dalvin cook and Alvin Kamara. And like, these guys haven't been like total disasters, Derrick Henry, but like they Mixon. don't, they're not as explosive. Mm-hmm. Who else? Mixon. Mixon. Mixon's actually been, I mean, he's had other than getting banged up. He was the one that scared me. Um, but yeah, there's like, there's lots of guys who just kind of, have been fine. They've been kind of the silent killers to, to use Leone's term. Um, lots of guys like that because the wide receivers in that range have just like smashed, but that's that I do think is somewhat related to like the macro, like time and place we're in, in the NFL, not just in terms of NFL, like broader trends, but like the player pool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's some really, yes. really talented wide receiver, but we could, it's possible that the same thing happens Maybe not next year, could be the year after, but at some point, there's going to be a year where like we draft Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Diggs. all of these guys go in the first three rounds, and they they age out kind of as a group. Because there is a group of guys that are all similar age that, you know, they, they could kind of fall off for them. And so, you know, I think that like the kind of the player pool macro is so important and I, from what I hear, this 23 class is, is really good, is particularly with the running backs. At so running maybe back, like, it's, wide receiver, it's kind of sketch. At, at running back, it's freaking loaded. Okay. So, I mean, that's the type of thing that could change ADP for this year and, like, several years to follow. Like, there could be a there could be, like, a need to take an early running back if these running backs hit and you've got Brees as also. I mean, Brees looks like an absolute superstar, you know? So there's a couple guys who like it. Just it's totally dependent on who's good. You know? I, I I I love that take, and I had kind of forgotten. It was probably one of my like every once in a while somebody else, somebody you know that you respect, smart says something, and like you get an aha moment. And you you on one show talked about that with like the running backs. You were like, it's not just a zero running back thing, as you said. It's when I look at all these early round running backs, it's like these guys are kind of getting old and they're kind of not the guys we really want to be spending. You know, if we're running back early is risky, I don't want to do it on the 27 year old on a sketchy offense and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's where we are right now, as you said, but that's going to, the positions are going to flip. Yeah. It'll flip eventually. Eventually. Right. So those running backs are going to age. Well, those running backs are going to age out. And I mean, the wide receivers will age more gracefully, but I mean, look at AJ green. AJ Green was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL for the, last, for the last Julio. For the last three, four years, we've been making fun of these guys that they're stone dust. It does happen to everybody. Keenan is getting worse, right? Keenan is at the age now where these other current superstars, and he, he wasn't obviously as good as those guys, but he, he's not as good now as he was but in Keenan, his prime. Keenan's actually an example of kind of doing it gracefully. We're like, Keenan's going to be probably a True. fifth or sixth round. He's doing the feeling. He's like kind of just yes, like, yeah. Every year, mm-hmm. like I get a little worse, and you draft me a little later, and I never <laughs> and I never burn you that bad. Yeah, you know that is true. Whereas Devonte, when it when Devonte when it goes for when De, you get AJ Green when it goes for Devonte, I'm not saying he's going to be that. It could be five years for all we know, but it's going to go. It goes for everybody. 
And and when that happens, we have a new influx, right? Kamara's gone, Cook's gone, all the Derrick Henry's gone, all these guys are gone, and we get Bijan and we get Jameer Gibbs yeah. and we have ETN and we have Bright Brees Hall, we have Javante, and we have all these young backs. It's, you it is two gonna of those, flip. you tack on two more later and you're good. And that's when hyper fragile smashes again. Yes. And you still don't draft Kyle Pitts, basically. Yeah. Is what do you, think, only do you think we lose um like receiver talent pool actually does at some point like fall off relative to where it is now like literally the guys we have right now will fall off but we also just got to the two most productive young receivers in like the history of the league and justin jefferson and honestly it's not even close how much better they are than any other player has been through two years or through 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 three years so yeah, uh, like obviously it's just Cherry picking two examples. I agree with the the running backs though. Just coincidentally, right? This one sort of large player pool we had happened to have a bunch of you know 25, 26 year olds who had already like like McCaffrey's young-ish, but he's also played like six seasons already, you know. Like <laughs> yeah, he's not he's football res- young. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what his age is. Same like you know, uh, you know, breakout age. Like if you're 22, but you broke out as a freshman and you just had to like spend three years in kindergarten, it's probably not that big of a deal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> relative to being like a young fifth year breakout if that happens. Yeah, we just happen to have a sort of small window of time where all the running backs were uh, were oldish, you know, old running back old. Uh, I don't maybe it's just like the zero RB guy in me is like the wide receiver party is never going to end, bud. But like, will it? <laughs> Well, it totally could because like Cup, we didn't even mention Cup. I mean, that's another yeah. guy that like is old enough to where like Michael Thomas turned to dust well before we were projecting him to turn to dust, mm-hmm. right? Like all of a sudden it was over, and like Ode- Odell did too. Odell, Odell, Odell did, did too. too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, injuries happen at the wide receiver position as well, and they can have huge impacts. So I do think like to your point, Kyle, like there's enough good young wide receivers in the league that you know, we're not, it's not like we're going to lose all of them at once, but there's something happening right now where, you know, you look at like drafts and it's like in the first two and a half rounds, there was just like so many wide receivers who you would love to have on your team. You know, Jefferson chase cup before he got hurt, Adams Diggs, Tyreek, AJ Brown, like, there's like all these, there's like, oh my God, this guy's a superstar. Like in another era, he'd be like the guy, you know, like if AJ Brown was like playing instead of Andre Johnson back in that, those days, like he'd be like considered the best wide receiver in the entire league, you know, or like Debo, or one of De- two. Debo is, has like one of the worst advance rates in early, in early rounds. And he's one of the best football players <laughs> In the right. like raw, pure football players, I'm, I'm not saying he's the best wide receiver or whatever, but just like, do you want Debo Samuel on your football team? Yeah, that dude's a bad man. Like, I want him on my football team. He's right. unreal. And he was the worst wide receiver pick. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> insane. That's absolute insanity. Debo Samuel was the worst wide receiver pick you could make in, in early rounds. Basically. Yeah, I didn't even mention CD Lamb. Yeah, CD. He was also a good pick. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, that he that looks dynamic. like a bad pick. He only looks like a bad pick because of what you said. Everyone else is just through the. You might have to take him over Adams or yeah, or Kelsey or something. Like, yeah, but like every every other um, year, it, it, generally it's like what we're about to head into with this feeling of like, oh my god, there's so many wide receivers in the early rounds that I want, which is kind of how I felt uh, this year. Every year since 2004. 
Again, every year since 2004, but I feel like maybe the larger market will, will feel this way yeah. as well. Like that, that won't last that long. I don't think. Um, and partly maybe like tight end is an example of this. We're like, we're down to one tight end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one has come in and replaced. It's just Kelsey now. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's just like so dependent on not just like the player pool based on like the ADP that we assign these guys, but like literally just who's good in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think we'll reach a point where the NFL is really struggling for receiver talent, which is what, what my argument was. But it's not exactly the same thing that you were describing, which is at some point, we won't exactly know who the good receivers are. We will have a lot of the good receivers in one year will be the Garrett Wilson, Justin Jefferson types, right? At some point, just a weird ebb and flow will have it. So like still Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are great. But then there's a lot of teams that took first round and second round receivers. And we just don't know which ones of those are good. So the talent pool in like a literal fact sense may not change too much, but our ability to know who they are will probably at some point, you know, ebb downward at receiver as it just did for running back. Yeah, exactly. There's it's, there's going to become a point where just like, like you said, just like at running back, we're still going to be taking these wide receiver. It's literally going to flip. It's going to be, yeah. well, you're, you're still taking digs because he's still the wide receiver one on the Josh Allen bills. You're still taking Tyreek. You're still taking Devonte. You're still taking all these guys. Mike Evans is probably the example of it's it, it's it, he's going out and getting worse. And he's also, his situation is also yeah, uh, he's, totally, he's totally falling apart. Um, but like all those wide receivers are going to be, we just talked Dalvin Mixon, Derrick Henry, Kamara, etc., are going to be those wide receivers. Some will hit, some won't, but like the collective is going to be like early thirties, superstar wide receivers. And we're going to like, so it's the ADP thing, right? It's the market things. Like we don't really know when it's going to happen, but eventually it's going to be, you were better off like this year. You were better off to fade all those running backs. Go zero RB, uh, go back to that chart that Hayden had and draft according to that that's going to flip in a certain year and we have no idea when it's going to happen, but people will say, well, look, if we, if we use what Hayden said last year, we should draft this way. It's like, yeah, but that's not how it works. You know what I mean? Because of what everything that Pat said about those running backs could end up pertaining to the, to the wide receivers. It could end up pertaining to tight end. If when Travis Kelsey goes, what the hell are we going to do at tight end? You know what I mean? Like the whole market's going to shift here really quick when Kelsey and these wide receivers go. Yeah. And we're so like we have no choice but to keep drafting Kelsey until he burns us hard. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. you know, there's just no other way because he, he provides such an, an advantage. Uh, question here: What do you guys think about drafting in structure versus player takes? I do think like, well, because you know, as much as I love drafting zero running back, like, uh, I do. I draft a ton of hero running back. I drafted some you know superhero running back, the, the two early running backs. I draft some hyper fragile. Uh, I was pretty uh, like my robust teams. I don't think I drafted a single, unless it was an auto draft. I only drafted like a single one that you'd call like a non hyper fragile, robust running back team. Like I was very intentional about only having like four, like maybe a fifth tacked on late on a DraftKings lineup or something, but, but keeping, keeping my dollars really constricted on how much I was spending at the running back position if I was going early running back. But like, I did do that. So I think the, um, the point of like this uh, about, you know, structure is that like there are going to be years where zero running back doesn't work very well, but
but knowing how to draft like a good hero running back team or a good superhero running back team or a good hyper fragile team is like an important skill. Like even if you prefer one of the strategies, um, you have to let the you have to let the draft fall to you. Is every is everyone who hates their running back likes to say? <laughs> I think the DFS analogy is always like um, is like oh the the chalk super chalk defense right like oh I just always fade the chalk defense like there are one hundred percent plus EV lineups that use the chalk defense. They're just there are a lot of ways to build lineups. There are a lot of plus EV like under own quarterback stacks right. Uh, may, maybe I still don't play any of the chalk running back, but there is no way to argue that uh, that you could never make a good lineup with the the thirty percent owned team facing the Bengals on the road or whatever. Like whatever, the Bengals always team Bengals face always has a good defense projection because Joe Burrow takes so many sacks. But like, there's no there's just so many ways to build good lineups. There's no way to argue that this one single factor can limit you from making a plus EV lineup. I think it's the same thing is true with either player takes or uh or the idea that like yeah i just there's no good hyper fragile teams like oh no there are plenty of good hyper fragile teams and knowing that you can spread out like probably reduce your variance by building in a lot of different ways giving you exposure to a lot of different players while not sacrificing expected value uh like that's why i think i am totally fine building just about every kind of roster that i think i can make plus ev which is almost all of them yeah i hate the conversation that we see a lot of the times on Twitter or whatever, where people will say it's all about structure. You know, the player takes, you know, I don't even worry about that anymore. It's all, it's all about structure for me now because they're really two different conversations. Um, it's they're, they're different levers that you can pull it, structure to me is like the ante to the game. Like when you, when you show up to play poker, you, you got to pay the ante to play struck like in order to not be the guy play, paying the rake you have to be able to draft structurally sound teams right can you absolutely luck box just like in dfs can you absolutely luck box a millie you know by drafting some absurd team right you played your defense against your staff by drafting played, davis mills getting nico yeah. collins evan Ang. yeah exactly can you luck box you know what an idiot drafting davis mills as his third quarterback but like can you get can you get lucky yeah of course anything can happen to over the long term not be the guy paying the rake structure is just kind of like you have to be able to do that player takes are whether two things do you think you have an edge in that you know most people probably don't but it, it some people do of course and you do when you, you don't, don't but it's you, a lot of fun yes <laughs> you'll be right and you'll be wrong but it's also, a lot of fun also, do you want to have fun or do you want to be a boring loser who drafts 8% of everybody? Like, what the fuck is the point of like, well, I don't even know how anybody has fun just drafting like eight to 10% of every single player. That sounds like the most miserable experience ever. But the player take thing is just a lever you can pull, right? Rashad White, I, I believe Rashad White is a, is a plus EV player to have in, especially in certain structures. I'm gonna, I believe he's undervalued for XYZ. So I want to be overweight that guy. You know, and then by X amount is also up to you. Don't want to take him in every draft. Uh, Pecan, Pecan, Felix, who he won the DraftKings Millie last year, best ball Millie last year. He is a huge player takes guy. Uh, he drafted like 75% Cooper Cup last year. He just took a massive stand. It worked, right? It, that's all up to the, each individual person, how they want to manage their portfolio and the money they're putting behind this thing. And, I, and there's no right answer, but it doesn't have to be like player takes versus structure. If you have player take, right? So he's drafting 75% cup. 
doesn't mean he's not going to draft good structure. You can still draft good structure and take player stands. They're not, they're not like uh, opposing ideas basically. Yeah. And I think like you probably like getting a sense of where the market is, what the, what the player pool is for that year is a good way to then go, man, I really feel like I need to get more of this type of team, you know? Yeah. And so if I, if it starts to fall that way, I'm, I'm leaning in. Um, and then, you know, I would say that we always talk about like, we always talk about in the context of running backs, but I think the quarterback and the tight end discussion is like just as important right now where, you know, we talked about elite quarterbacks probably going to be a bigger thing. Uh, certainly like if you didn't have the real deal this year, it absolutely crushed you. Like you were so, I'll pull up Peyton's thing again. Cause it's so much. <laughs> yeah. Like the so much better off swing. just going, I uh, go ahead. The biggest downswing, the biggest, uh, the biggest dump in, uh, in your team's win rate is that uh, the quarterback slump right in the middle? I mean, look how look how different the drop in that Brady Prescott lands. That thing goes t- twice as low as like any other dip on the graph. Probably yeah. more up until the very very. End. And then it comes shout, right back shout up. Shout out here to Trey Lance and Russell Wilson, two guys I was drafting right in that stupid stupid zone. And it's all it all comes together. I mean, it you know it really hurt to take Russell Wilson. It especially hurt because you might have passed on Josh Jacobs. You know, so it's like it all ties together and good point. That particular it could year, be flatter. But... It, it could be flatter if Josh Jacobs didn't exist in that range, right? Exactly. It, I mean, Josh it Jacobs doesn't exist. Good. You know, Amonrod's higher, Amari Cooper's higher. There's probably a bunch of, you know, why was if like Josh Jacobs literally just didn't exist, you know, this chart this chart would look wildly different, but um but yeah, I mean, the quarterback thing is still pretty strong. Like, I don't think that's a, it's mostly because all of these guys just busted together. So if you didn't have the, the actual elite quarterbacks, Allen Mahomes, Hertz is lower. Hertz must be here. He's not labeled, but this must be Hertz. He's he, up. Isn't he yeah, up I was going to say he's up. I think you're, you're Scroll missing. Scroll up. It's a. Oh, he's up. Situation. Oh, wow. Yep. He's yeah, the, there you go. Who's this? Then? He's the Tony Pollard of quarterbacks. Uh, this Burrow? Uh, Burrow. Oh, that, be Burrow. Oh, yeah, that's probably got to be Burrow. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Tony Pollard, Jalen Hurts. Sorry, Jalen Hurts. Didn't give you enough respect. Um, Yeah. So you go from those guys down to, and it is interesting that it's like we had it right. We've had, we've been pretty on it with quarterback ADP over the last few years. Big time. Yeah. Our, uh, like the R squared of ADP versus quarterback fantasy points has been up like year over year for like two or three years. And it's going to be up this year. It was up last year. I think it was up even one more year before that. What like what are your guys' thoughts on that? Are we just running super hot? I definitely a, don't a little, think we're just running super hot though. Like the the fact that we got Mahomes, who from the very first time we saw him, we knew he was the greatest player playing on the field <laughs> at that time. Like that is going to boost the predictability of quarterback every single year until he's thirty seven. And after the first year, Josh Allen was great. That has been true ever since as well. Obviously, it wasn't true from what was a year two to year three, but that has been predictable as well. And then we have gotten super on the ball with not missing on like like super running quarterbacks. Hertz is going to be one of the better running quarterbacks we've ever seen. Justin Fields is going to be the greatest running quarterback we've ever seen. Well, I mean, that can be. He's, he's going to set every rushing record this year. Yeah, but he's doing it all with 50-yard runs. Are you... Are you fully buying he's going to be the greatest Russian quarterback we've ever seen? I'm just saying he was going to score more points on the ground than any quarterback has I ever in the history saying. of the league. Um, but also, I 
I mean, yeah, he could be. It's a it's a three player race, so yeah. Him and Lamar and RG three, right? I was gonna say Vic. I always was putting RG three. Oh, in there, Vic. But... Yeah, I Vic. forgot about. I forgot about Vic. Yeah, uh, he, he was like the most dynamic runner. Not necessarily Vic's the best. I think he he was. I mean, my God, he was doing he... it in an era where they were like, "Great, can you throw the ball now?" <laughs> they had to change. <laughs> they had to off, change please. Madden. They had to change Madden for him yeah. because he he was so good at running that that they put his attributes in so well that you could literally just sprint all the way back after catching the snap yeah. and run around. And it was a cheat. Code. You gave was a cheat code. He was a cheat code in a video game. Yeah, you you don't remember Vic, but he was the best cow. Yeah, uh, he was the Pittsburgh Wait, you, quarterback. You don't, know, you don't yeah, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh quarterback. quarterback. <laughs> That's a true statement. <laughs> Um, but like this pocket, the interesting thing about quarterback, like we've gotten this pocket pretty right recently. We've also got really good at breakout candidates and the best quarterbacks. I think the market, not necessarily the three people here, the market is pretty bad about, are we really good at breakout candidates, Eric? No, would you say we're really good at breakout candidates? Let me just zoom in a little bit more here. Are we really good at them? What's his points per game? Is he a good quarterback in points per game? For the for the audio listeners, I am just slowly circling Trey Lance endlessly. Don't you don't need to call it out for the audio listeners. It's they for the audio listeners. Know, they don't need to know that we're talking about about but Trey for, Lance. For the audio listeners, Eric's upset by this. <laughs> for the audio listeners, Eric won't talk to me now. <laughs> Are you done? I don't Can think we move I on? I'm waiting for you to do anything so I can keep going. I think I think Trey Lance was reasonable. I do think uh, Trey Lance has was the meme king of quarterback, and that's kind of why he went where he went. Everybody decided he was the guy, Justin Fields, because we we're all shitting on the Bears. Tua because everybody laughed at his Twitter passes. Right, Trevor Lawrence because he had a bad rookie year. Trey Lance had a bad rookie year, and we didn't care. Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I think I think Lance was a little bit of um, us picking and choosing, uh, including myself, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, yeah. I have a brand to uphold. Thank you very much. So I'm not going to back. I was all in Trey Lance when he never played in his rookie season. I'm not going to back down in, in year two when he's declared the starter. But um, he's obviously the, the huge L. But outside of him, I mean, Fields, Tua, Lawrence, like just nailed those guys as the next tier after the assumed good quarterbacks, right? After Rogers, after Carr, whatever. But I think maybe that will change. The Derek Carrs of the world, I'm not sure will continue to go ahead of Justin Fields' archetypes. I think people will bet, right? If we're willing yeah. to bet on Trey Lance ahead of Derek Carr, why are we not willing to bet on Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence ahead of Derek yes, Carr? Yes, this I totally agree that this will probably be the last year, and unless like next year for whatever reason, a bunch of running, a bunch of the running quarterbacks randomly, you know, get hurt in a cluster. This will be the last year, a player like Justin Fields who projects to be the second, like if you were just doing projections would have projected for at worst, the third or fourth most rushing attempts, yards, touchdowns, like sure. You put Lamar Lance and and one other, you know, Jalen hurts ahead of him, but he would project to be a top like seven quarterback, just based on his rushing. You won't get that guy behind Tom Brady, Stafford, Prescott, and maybe the next edge will be picking out those guys because the two highest flips at the back end are just like not like non-running, just 
being efficient, Goff. good quarterbacks. It's Goff and Geno. Dudes Smith who were going to start players. all season. I would. I mean, and Geno, we weren't sure, but like he had a pretty good shot at it though. It Drew wasn't Locke. like a horrible yeah. bet. Yeah, Drew Lock had never um, made any noise. But good offense. Totally we didn't know that Seattle was going to be a good offense, but we we knew. I, I think we knew that the Lions were going to be a good offense, and myself included. Mm-hmm. Good wasn't weapons, really in on. Say. Yeah, wasn't really in on Goff because it was. But that's what we did with like. Again, I'm not comparing Jared Goff to Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a very different archetype of a player he, he, with the rushing and the, the downfield passing. But we were willing to say, I'm going to take the plunge on Trey Lance because look at this situation he's in. Look at the 49ers. This is the dream. Everyone, yeah. cru- Jimmy G crushes. Yeah. CJ Beathard crushes. Nick Mullins Brock crushes. Purdy cr- crushes Brock Purdy future. crushes <laughs> in this offense. It's, but we weren't willing to do that with Jared Goff. I'm not saying Jared Goff should go where Trey Lance goes or whatever, but I, everyone loved the Lions. Amon Ra went early. TJ Hawkinson yeah. went early. Swift went early. James Wait, are you, doing the, are you doing about, the tweet where it's like, this guy's going, no, Amon going in the fourth. I hate that. See, Andres is going one. in the second. You got you to take Goff. Is I that, hate is that, that what we're doing right now? No, I, I hate That's that, but I think relative to other late-round quarterbacks, it was like Davis Mills. People, people who have a million dollars in their bank account now are taking Davis Mills <laughs> instead of instead of Jared Goff, and I I just think I did too. I did too. There's plenty of times I probably took Davis Mills over Jared Goff, and I think that was like, come on, the Texans, uh, the, yeah, the Texans yeah. quarterback over the Lions quarterback when they're they're the same. They're the same. They also have like probably the same length neck. I think. Yeah, for the audio listeners though, that is what Eric is doing. He's doing that. Yeah, <laughs> you are doing it. I I'm so done with you, Pat. <laughs> I feel like I'm I don't know what's what I drank this morning but uh I I went on Soulcast and told Dave Kitchen that I that his brand was ruined his brand his Derek Henry brand was in tatters and I put Derek Henry in our FanDuel lineup to restore his brand which I think might be the last time on the Soulcast so yeah. I'm just burning bridges today I don't know I'm, I need to yeah. just uh, send out apology notes to everybody that I talked to today I don't know what's going on Hey uh, would you would you mind um I shared my screen would you mind putting that up just on really yeah. quickly because i wanted to show uh something really quickly so these are my uh, i think this is just bbm these are my just uh, it's sorted by highest total total points here my bbm teams hilariously my of course kitchen was pissed uh he had to do content work he doesn't he, he doesn't do content work anymore he got so if anybody yeah yeah so he's he he spent an hour thinking about it i'm sure but my highest scoring BBM team literally was not an elite quarterback team. So we spend all this time saying like, Oh, you got to get those elite quarterbacks. We're so good at quarterbacks, Justin Fields, the aforementioned Jared Goff and actually Marcus Mariota were my three quarterbacks on my highest scoring team. And again, back to our point of like zero RB and structural drafting. I obviously hit on miles Sanders and uh, McKinnon, like you mentioned before have McKinnon here, but like, the running backs are really not very good. Naheem Hines, Devin Singletary, James Robinson, Zamir, Boston Scott. But like, if you just draft the structure, I did. I did go with a solo Kelsey, so no backup tight end. That's something I think is interesting on Kelsey team specifically for next year. I did that a handful of times, and honestly, I wish I did it more because um, those teams are some of my best teams. Just to get that extra bullet on a running back or a wide receiver or whatever. But it was like mostly hit on wide receiver and. And these quarterbacks somehow kind of managed enough when you have Travis Kelsey that uh, I just thought it was funny through the lens of us talking about quarterbacks that now you see my other three highest scoring teams are who you probably expect Hertz and Lawrence Hertz into a Mahomes and Mac, not necessarily, but um, elite quarterbacks. But 
it can st- it, this year it could still have been done mainly with Justin Fields, Lawrence, yeah. Tua, or whatever. Um, it could still have been done with those guys and a you know a little Jared Goff or or somebody like that. Yeah, I think well, one interesting thing that I just noticed while well, it was really because I was looking at like DK salaries and where high scoring QB games came from. Uh, the players with more than one 30 point game at the quarterback position this year were Mahomes, the QB, what two or three, Jalen Hurts, the QB, four or five, something, you know, Joe Burrow, the QB, six or seven, Josh Allen, the QB, one, Lamar <laughs> Jackson, the QB, two or three, and then Justin Fields sneaks in there. He's the one with multiple 30 point games that, uh, that wasn't literally a top six quarterback, and that's almost i mean i mean like in the sense of there were literally three four other quarterbacks outside of those top six i just named with single one 30 point game uh How that's many? a gap four i'll name i'll name it for you uh Tua had has one 30 point game gino has one trevor lawrence has one jared goff has one and no one else has a single one wow. there was no wow. way to find ceiling games not uh excluding justin fields was the one exception and 30 is a high threshold. That's I, I counted off. There's only something like I'm eyeballing. It's like 18 games like that this year. As you lower the but that's a weak winner. That's a your your threshold is like a weak winner. Yeah, right? I that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weak winners were the early guys, and there's almost no exception to that. Then there, you couldn't even you could hardly even uh, patchwork it. There wasn't like oh some other guys were two weak winners, one weak winners, and if you paired them together. No. And the thing is, there are plenty of quarterbacks that aren't on this list that will have like really will still have really good advance rates because you don't have to have literal weak winners at every single position. Like we said, like you don't have to have a, a weak winner at tight end every single week. There are hardly weak winners. Like just don't you know <laughs> allocate resources correctly, right? You can make up points elsewhere. But it is really interesting that like you paid up or you just didn't find weak winners. Well, that so that's that ties in with what I wanted to bring up before we get out of here just real quick before we shut down the stream i wanted to ask you guys about three quarterback versus three tight end because heading into the year um on that weak winner point i was it struck out it stuck out to me that what was happening what happened this year with, with quarterback had been happening that we weren't getting like spike weeks from the later rounds they were coming like as part of this really efficient quarterback ADP that we've had the last few years, it's not just that we are identifying the guys who are good at all season. We're identifying the guys who can be weak winners. And so if you're trying to tackle on a guy in the final rounds, so they can help you generate a spike week. There's not much case, like even a golf to Kyle's point there, he's had one week like that all year. So adding a golf to like your Josh Allen team, where you also have Justin Fields or something like you already have the ceiling on your team. So it's not super helpful to add that third quarterback uh, was my thinking anyway, but the third tight end maybe helps or you were just talking about Eric, how you maybe wanted to do more single Kelsey. I know that's kind of a Kelsey thing, but uh, I'm like more open to the single to the third tight end. I mean, Evan Ingram, I guess would be the example of that. Although it's like so random that maybe you're still better off spending that bullet somewhere else. But what what are your thoughts on three tight end uh, and three quarterback? Yeah, the the way you laid it out is kind of where my as you proposed the question, my brain immediately went to, and I went I went real quick and lowered the threshold to twenty five points. Goff sneaks up in there among players with more than two, and the only other quarterback that jumps in the list, Kyler Murray, 
another expensive quarterback. Like <laughs> it really is like difficult to <laughs> stretch your your uh, little your little queries in, in stat head or whatever to to find a way that the the best quarterbacks didn't absolutely smash. I kind of agree. Yeah, I, I actually do think that, that is like my general takeaway is that it does feel like that third quarterback is like almost futile. And maybe, maybe the, you know, it's one season. We can't take away too much. But like you said, it had been trending that way for a year or two before this. And even more so, we are so close to the worst tight end has ever been. If Kelsey <laughs> falls off next year, we are screwed. So I actually screwed, do think yeah. we're, oh, it's going to be miserable. Like take the position away, man. So I actually do think that like, going like you could even maybe just say like don't even spend for the middle don't spend early just try and patchwork together four point weeks just get four to seven in the lineup you'll get some spikes and you won't take zeros i, I think that maybe kind of trying to logic it out right here makes sense to me more so than it has in the past because tight ends garbage i think with quarterback specifically <clears throat> it's kind of a little bit of uh you have to draw a line in the sand on where so like the team that I just shared, I think I was a little, it was a little bit of cowardice with adding on Mariota. Also, I kind of liked Mariota for, for best ball, just with being an 18th round runner and betting against everybody think he would get benched. And then of course he eventually did, did get benched. Um, but he kind of did his job on that particular team from a, that was sorted by most yeah. raw points, but that's not helping me in the playoffs to your point that team probably still would have advanced without Marcus Mariota because I had Justin Fields and Jared Goff and I could use that again. It's a using your earlier example example. It's a dollar. So it doesn't really a dollar matter. maybe. And like, you don't know Goff's Goff, maybe, maybe right. Goff's and because I spent and such the Mariota points. And because I spent such a minimal amount on quarterback that maybe that dollar was right to spend. I, I think yeah. the auction thing, it, it kind of plays into this, this whole conversation a little bit um, where, where you draw that line on that spending on that quarterback decides if that that last dollar quarterback makes sense in in this. But I think more often than not, it probably doesn't. Uh, I got advancing teams with like <laughs> Stafford and Mariota, like <laughs> Russell Wilson and and Daniel Jones, and like I got advancing you know, teams with Russell Wilson and you name it because I have yeah. a lot of Russell Wilson teams. <laughs> But that's a that quarterback matter. Like I know that all these quarterbacks are killing it. And like to win the tournament, I want those quarterbacks, right? Everyone that's also that another just... good point that I was just talking about in the context of spike weeks from weeks one to 15. Cause we've been talking about advance rates, obviously, but also imagine showing up to week 17 with your pea shooter, Jared Goff, Kirk cousins lineup. And like, what are your odds of finding a 30 point game from them? Whereas the odds of a team finding 38 from Mahomes like feel better than your odds of finding 31 from Goff, and he's the good one. Yeah, and and you have to fade all the elite quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. everyone's on the slate. There's no yeah. like oh, it's yeah, just, yeah, they're on the way. Saturday slate. You don't worry about them. Yeah, exactly. It's Too not, expensive. Yeah. The salary doesn't work. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. just Josh, Al kill Josh Allen's on Monday Night Football. Thank God. Don't got to worry about. It. Nope. They all they all count. So you are screwed. You got to fade all those guys who, as Kyle alluded to. Every single one of the 30 point games basically were those guys, and you got to fade all of them. I think Fields, it, it, again, moving like looking forward to next year, I don't think we'll get a field situation where there's this, this guy with that kind of rushing upside that goes that late. If there is, then maybe we'll address it. But I think 
ultimately, if I'm spending that little capital on quarterback, I do still think, you know, sometimes you get locked out. It's not drafts aren't it's not perfect. You never get everything you want in every single draft. Um, But if I if I can't get one of those guys right that have that 30 point upside that Kyle is talking about, I got to have three because I'm just praying to navigate my way through the season well enough and praying that like. 20 is enough right that i don't get buried i don't get buried in my week it's best ball is so weird we have solved so little of it because like so like this week you're heading into your week 15 matchups you got to beat nine people in best ball mania you have to finish first out of a 10 10 person group it's like can you navigate that with jared goff and daniel jones and whatever desmond ritter can you navigate that probably Right, yeah. because only you know there, you have some dead teams, whatever. Same thing, week sixteen. Can you navigate a small group without getting a, a thirty plus point week from quarterback? Probably. Week seventeen, it becomes a little a little bit tricky, especially week but, seventeen in this particular tournament, which is a massive with five hundred people with five hundred people yeah. in the first in, in the final. If you played the dra- like Kyle was talking about DraftKings, the five dollar milli on DraftKings is a thousand people in the final round good fucking luck winning that one with davis mills <laughs> you know what i mean like you're not you're not gonna win but i just think it's an interesting conversation i like the auction kind of conversation around it is like if i didn't you know where is the cutoff on the justin fields type player lawrence tua because at least if they're my qb1 i feel like i can compete but if i spent you know if i spent three dollars at quarterback like Maybe I should spend four and get another one and just pray to God. Yeah. I got, you know, Matt Corral. I know these guys didn't hit Matt Corral, Sam Howell, whatever. Like Gino, just like start taking shots on it. Uh, I think it's the auction thing. People will say is, should you take three tight ends or four tight ends? I think it's more about the amount of, again, that auction dollar value. Did you spend? Is your tight end one Tyler Conklin? Okay, maybe you can take four in the Tyler Conklin team. Uh, you probably should take three. Is your tight end one Albert O, who sucked, obviously, but he was a 12th round pick. You spent multiple dollars on him. So you probably don't, you don't, you don't need to overextend. You know, you definitely don't need to overextend with Dallas Goddard as your tight end one. Um, again, the auction value conversation. Yeah. So the the spike week thing, um, I was looking at quarterbacks in the summer. I was looking at the last few years. I forget how long since 2020. So uh We've looked at rounds three through five combined for 25, 28 plus point weeks. That's half point. It's underdog scoring. Uh, so an average of 4.2 per quarterback. So if rounds three through five, I'll just pull this up. I don't know why I'm explaining a chart on a <laughs> medium. Um, but yeah, the, uh, that's the wrong one. Yeah, so the rounds three through five had... 4.2 per quarterback. And can you guys see this now? Yeah. Um, round six through nine had 3.6 spike weeks per quarterback drafted. So they were pretty good. This was one, when we include this year, Mike O'Donnell, though I guess hurts might be six. So maybe he'll save the day. But uh, this range sucked this year. Rounds 10 through 13. A little over one, that range will, these range will probably kind of come closer. And then rounds 14 plus, there's like like less than half. I don't think I ever wrote in the article how much, but there's like less than half a 
spike week in a sing in a season. So I say keep in mind I'm counting any 28 plus point outing as a spike week, regardless of when it happens. These are not during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are during the whole during the, the season. number was so, so low. You had to clarify. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, truly. So yeah. this is like this is what you're talking about, like the pea shooter thing of like you go in, you know, it just like golf probably isn't helping you in week 17. And right now it's advanced rate, advanced rate week. So that's what we're thinking about, but it's uh, it's gonna be tough if you don't have one of those guys. And so, like my favorite team, this is just like I, this team I've been like, uh, just like eyeing nonstop. I'll pull it up to make sure that it doesn't win anything. Um, yeah, this is a terrible idea by you. Yeah, I won't show it. I won't show it because I because I want it to win everything. Um, but my favorite team is it's but a list every player, please. I was gonna say, list was every gonna player. Say it doesn't have Ramondre. It has uh, it has James Cook instead, which was like bumming me out for a while, but now it's kind of fun. Yeah. Looking good now, but it has Allen and Mahomes, and the opportunity cost of that is like, not just big for advancing, but it's like big for the final week. Like the, you know, both those guys can't hit my lineup. So that might be bad, but like, is that bad? That's one of the things I'm trying to think through for next year. Like, is that bad? Because your odds of having like one of the guys who absolutely fucking smashes in week 17 when we know that it's going to be like Allen, Hurts, Mahomes, and like right after those guys, the odds like fall precipitously. Then it's like maybe, you know, Fields, there's only a few guys that it can like realistically be if we're going to, and there's enough guys that probably someone is going to have that week. And if you, if you basically get that week, which you might need, is it worth not having a fifth round pick? I, I think the answer depends on how many people do it because the whole thing is like you want you kind of want really one of those guys or both of them, whatever, to carry you to week 17. Then you want them to bomb. You want to be you are the right. only team in week 17 with uh, with Josh Allen, who just ripped off two 30 point games and can still get 30 points at quarterback despite Josh Allen breaking his ankle in week 17 or whatever you want to be the only one with that win condition Uh, for a million dollars he'll be fine he can just like miss a couple throws dude yeah Uh, like he 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 scores 16 points we don't have to break his fucking ankle i'm trying to alienate kyle now for the for the hat (laughs) trick now Uh, now i are together we're on the same page now we're we're back we're friends I found your guys' limit to what you do for $2 million. Just know <laughs> mine's higher. I'll break Josh Allen's ankle right now. I'll break Josh Allen's Thank ankle right you. now. I don't <laughs> care. I really don't care. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm obviously kidding. Uh, uh. But the whole point is, like, if half of the field <laughs> half of the field uh, shows up to week 17, half of the, the championship round shows up to week 17 with that in their range of outcomes with, uh, you know, the two same elite quarterbacks, it doesn't actually do you any good. You don't get any... Uh, any relative value you get yep. less far right, less relative right. value but i i would bet no like i would bet against it being a, a popular construction getting into the final round i'm not sure I about that obviously but i would bet against it what you what you said about uh people showing up with the elite everyone's going to show up with those elite quarterbacks period basically you know unless last year tom brady was a really high advance rate player who got dusted off by the the saints who just got him own own tom brady yeah <laughs> it did it did get dark uh kyle went dark and uh, 
uh, goddamn Pat pissed me off earlier, so I I went dark as well afterwards. Uh, but Tom Brady was a really was a was a really high advance rate player who scored like two fantasy points. A bunch of the the Bucks got hurt in that game against the Saints. It was it was like Monday night in Week 14. It was just misery for everybody that had those players, and so you you want another quarterback that can help get you through. But I think the actual ideal scenario and what you're talking about, Pat is to have, let's say I have Josh Allen and then I have Justin Fields. Right. And I, that I get, is the, ideal. I, the, the total ideal is to have Fields, Lawrence to whatever, some other second quarterback. It's a little cheaper. Maybe not. I, I think our, what I've realized while we talked this through is we punted off too much with the second quarterback. I think, Honestly, if you're just going to draft Davis Mills as your second quarterback, sorry to what's his name, Mr. Millie winner. But if you're just going to punt it off with the second quarterback, just don't fucking take one. Take your well, zero. Then he doesn't t- win the Millie, though. He doesn't win Josh, the Millie without both. Davis guys. Mills didn't contribute any points to his team, did he? No fucking. No, no. Way. I'm saying, but I'm saying, if you aren't you saying skip the second one and just take Mills? Well, yeah, yeah. What? Well, yes. I, I, sorry that well, I'm you not just cost a man a million dollars. I, no, I don't well, think he said skip the second one and only take Mills. I, I, no, but no, I misunderstood. No, I, but I am saying to that point, I mean, was Davis Mills going to win you the million in the week that you drafted the Josh Allen team? I, I don't think we should be planning <laughs> for about Davis Mills. I hate it. It's so miserable. I, the, the point I was trying to make was that, Davis Mills is the worst pick in fantasy. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that instead of the double elite, the second player still needs to be a guy that can has the requisite upside to fill in for that elite, what Justin Fields basically has done, Trevor Lawrence has done. What we do to often is say, I have the elite quarterback, so I don't really care about my QB2. I'm just going to take Davis Mills. And then that guy busts a la Tom Brady last year in the playoffs. We lose and we get tilted. And then we say, well, now I'm going to draft two elites, right? Cause now I, now I can't fail, but to Kyle's point, you're still going to run Mahomes teams will be there. And Josh Allen teams will be there. If they both helped you get there. Yes. If they failed in one week, but if they both helped you get there, they're still going to be owned in the final. You actually mm-hmm. don't have any edge. Everybody, everybody has them. You just have both, and they have AJ Brown instead, right? Yeah. And you have unless, unless Allen has a couple of bad weeks in a row, which is plausible. Yeah. And then you show up with Allen, and you know you didn't have any trouble getting there because you had Mahomes who went off. Like what you want yeah. is Mahomes goes off, Mahomes goes off, Mahomes stinks, Allen goes off, which is like I think reasonably plausible. I mean, yeah, that's I, think what, I think what Eric is saying though is a better win condition is just having a more unique second quarterback with a better ceiling. All, I agree with also that. a harder win condition to find because exactly. I, I really, it's hard. I really it's don't think we'll to get Justin Fields again. Like Justin yeah. Fields is kind of was a layup. I don't think we'll get that again. We'll be searching much harder for the second quarterback who can jump into being as good as Lamar hurts, et cetera. It'll be harder, but that's why I'm yeah, wondering. We, we got three of those dudes in like the 11th, 12th round this year who were the perfect guy. That that may never happen again. Fields to a Lawrence, all right there that fit this. What I'm talking about, so it's easy to cherry pick. But mm-hmm. but I think that's the dream, though. Still, maybe it's next year a rookie or something. 
Bryce Young. Someone floated Ritter. Some, some, who I don't really believe in as a quarterback. I, I really think Ritter is awful at football, but uh, that could, could be, be wrong. It could be Trey Lance. It might not be oh, quite. It could be Trey Lance. Right? Oh, my God. Trey Finally. Lance is going to be on the Bucks next year, fella. It will Trey definitely Lance be. Not... Trey Lance with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will definitely be that then. <laughs> why would, Bruce why Arians would they trade back? for Trey Lance when they could just sign Jimmy Garoppolo, who's better? Sir? Oh, my God. I really... All right, Jack, really, cancel him, cancel him. Get him. I used to like I used to like this show, but no. Uh, <laughs> seriously, do you, do you guys think Brady's going to go to San Fran uh, next year? Because they got to trade Trey. They can't keep. They can't put the first round guy back on the bench for Tom Brady if they uh, pick up a quarterback, right? Or I Purdy. Brady, I think Brady's or, or is, for Trey Lance. Or is Purdy going? Well, no one. Well, someone will. Yes, I think someone would. The Saints teams are starting Baker Mayfield and a uh, team and, traded uh, for Josh Rosen a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> would the Saints trade for Trey Lance? Um, they should. Yeah, I could see that. He's cheap. They need to save salary. That's what he's going to be. He's he's and he's also not going to be expensive draft capital wise relative to the quarterback market. Yeah, I mean it's either him or draft a quarterback. Anyways, like there is no more veteran shenanigans they can go through. They just have to try and like start over. So I can see that. All right, guys, we're going to, we're going to leave it there. We we got our Trey Lance talk in at the end. Uh, (laughs) Damn it. Thanks everyone for watching another marathon show without Pete. As I've noted last week, one of Pete's great talents is ending these shows and keeping them tight. Uh, So we've gone long again, but thanks for sticking with us. A lot of people still watching. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, hit the like button. Leave a iTunes review. Do all the good stuff. Um, Kyle, what do you got to plug? Uh, Thursday preview show, which will be, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, on the Roto World football show. That'll be out about the same time that you're listening to this. And uh, come in for the uh, live chat with Crane and I on Friday at 1. Just, uh, just, just check out Spike Week, of course, if you're not familiar. Um, I run a best ball website we have a, a lot of really cool best ball tools so if you we did obviously a lot of conversation around best ball and if you're playing in, on underdog on DraftKings, on drafters uh, we have a lot of really cool tools to see your player exposures we're working on making sure that everything is uh synced up with the sites for your playoff pods you can see things like the uh exposure percentage of everyone in your playoff pods so for example, if you advance the hundred teams and twenty of them have uh, twenty of your opponent or twenty percent of your opponents have Travis Kelsey, we, we we can show you that in one of our tools, hmm. and you can just see uh, a bunch of different things about what's going on about your your advancing teams. Um, obviously, we you have know your sweat pre- is. Yes, yes, it's literally called Sweat HQ, the uh, the go. the tool for that. So you nailed it. Um, but you know what to sweat, and uh, just check out obviously. Just check out Spike Week. All right. Check out the walkthrough on Friday. In honor of a zero running back team taking down a million dollars this week, we're going to close out with... Yeah.